Hey, what's going on, everybody? You're listening to Seggy Station. It's the man that has a nickname, always a lot to say with no shame. Monday, February 1st, 2021. Hope all is well out there, everybody. Hope everyone's doing safe. Nick Seglin here. You're listening to Seggy Station Podcast. I got some company coming through today as well. I got Rich Hot Takes Letty coming through on the stream yard. Also hoping Dukes, the meat with the meanest takes. Coming in from Virginia, hopefully, on the stream yard today. Looking to get into the world of sports. Fired up to get into the world of sports. A lot to get into across the platforms today. NBA, NFL, blockbuster trade, and obviously Super Bowl week. Lots going on with headlines in all areas across the world of sports, particularly the MLB, and looking forward to get Chewy hopefully back here this week. Got a lot to get to in the MLB with my guy, Chew. As always, I appreciate all the love and support. You can follow along on my Instagram and Twitter page at Seggy underscore station. Also got the podcast out on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. So all the love and support, if you can get out and listen to the podcast, spread the word. As always, we got a live version up on my Twitch stream, it's underscore Seggy underscore G, and all the follows and likes and views there, appreciate it as well. Right now, it's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Seggy Straight Talk, microphone, it's always direct. Time to reflect. Rich should be here in about 10 minutes. I got a couple solo shout outs to get in before that, and I will do that now. Do have some special gear on today. Shouting out the Brie Rally Foundation. Shouting out Shayna May Rally and all she does, the great work she does, and a total inspiration to me. Shows me a lot of love and support for what I'm trying to do with uh, my podcast and talking sports. And I honestly wouldn't have the type of setup I would without her. She's provided me some logos. She's provided me uh, some plugs, everything that you could ask for. And you know, I saw. That uh, Colin Coherd started out his own podcast, and I was listening to the start of it. It's kind of funny because, you know, I started out a podcast technically right into the midst of a pandemic, and it's hard to give myself credit. I started it technically before the pandemic, but getting certain goals for a guy that doesn't really have much of a support base, a hundred followers on Instagram, which I capped the other day because of people plugging it like Shayna, Duke, Mike Mead, all the shout outs. Um, it's incredible. Uh, for a guy, you know, I'm looking to get to 200 next. I'm looking to get some more followers on my Twitch. It's all the love and support that she's shown me, um, that I'm going to continue to show her back. You should definitely check out her page. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram at Brie Rally Foundation. She's doing incredible work. She's raising money. She's also got sweatshirts that you can purchase to support the foundation. Um, She's been such a great friend for me. We've gone back all the way to our coastal days and all the stuff that we've done together throughout our life. Um, I can only show her and continue to show her support, hoping to get her on the podcast soon so she can come on, hopefully give me a little bit of what she's doing, maybe talk a little bit of sports, catch up a little bit. That'd be fire. But I do need to definitely shout out her foundation, shout out all the work she's doing. If anybody listening to my podcast has any of the social media handles that I've mentioned, please go out there and try and support her, try and follow her. She's doing really great things, and um, I can't continue to shout those things out enough. 
shout out to you. Thank you for all the support you've shown me. Thank you for all the help you've given me on the podcast. I hope all is well with you and the family. Hopefully we can link up soon and looking forward to being able to hopefully do that. Thanks for this sweatshirt. This thing's fire. Looking forward to rocking this for sure. Not only in the pod because outfits are very important to me on the pod and to all of my boys that come on the pod. They've they've kind of just jumped along with that. So shout out to the boys. But uh, yeah, hopefully get a purple one I saw. So just want to continue to hopefully try and spread some love and get you some follows and likes and all that stuff as well. Because what you're doing is incredible. And not too many people can say they're doing the type of stuff you're doing. Much love. Hopefully link up soon. Rich should be here shortly. Mentioned Colin Coherd's new podcast. Kind of linked it in a little bit to what I was talking about there with Shana because she showed me a lot of support. But I have gotten over now 100 Instagram posts up on my Instagram page. I got 100 followers on my Instagram page at Seggy Station. I'm on Twitter at Seggy Station, both underscored in between the Seggy and the station. All the follows and likes and conversation joining that you can do there is appreciated. Um, it's been really a grind. Like I was listening to Colin Cohort, he does this for a living. Like, yeah, I've been doing this for like a year and it's a grind to get to this point, um, to get anybody following it, listening to it. Um, realistically, it's just a passion of mine. I've learned to enjoy talking sports, not only by myself and getting into sports conversations, but doing that with my friends. I've only joined or I've only grown that base a little bit and I'm looking forward to hopefully getting some more first timers here on the pod shortly. Rich is here. He's not a first timer. What's good, Rich? Not much. Just dumping snow here and watching it, but just chilling. Let's go with you. Yes, for sure. It's definitely a snow day up here in the Northeast. So what a better day than today to get into some sports talk. Fired up that you made it. Fired up, and before we get into any of the sports talk, because there's a lot, and we're gonna start off with NBA because I know, uh, you know, football season kind of wind down. No football yesterday on a Sunday, but uh, you know, yesterday was a good day. Got to go down, see you with Chew. Got to see your place. Got to chill for a bit, play some FIFA, have some food. That was the first time I'd seen your place, any of your places, and that's the first time I'd seen you in person, probably a minute besides a pod. So just needed to shout that out real quick. Basically a year ago at uh, Andy Sods and Drew's house. Yeah, probably. Yeah, so uh, just need to shout that out. That was mad fun. Hopefully we can do that again before I get back to work. Your place is really nice. Uh, Company was great. It was good to see you and your girlfriend. And uh, yeah, it was fire time. So glad we got to do that. But I'm glad you're here to talk some sports today. Let's get into a little of this. Uh, I'll set a timer on this one because I do want to touch on this. You got to give me a little bit of credit here. Uh, Now the Nets... They're ten and two in their, or they're eight and two in their last ten. Technically eight and three now after that loss last night, which we'll get into after this topic. But the Nets, since the Harden trade, the Rockets are six and three. They have the best defensive rating in the NBA. The Nets are six and three, have the worst defensive rating in the NBA. You can go and check out all the stats right now. They have a one twenty two point six, I think, offensive rating, which would be all time in offensive NBA history. They also have a 119 defensive rating, close to 120, which would be the worst of all time. I talked about this team struggling on defense, but what I think is more alarming here, Rich, is how much better the Rockets have been on defense and as a team since Harden has left. That has been my main knock on Harden. Not that he hasn't uh, won in the playoffs, and I've knocked you on that, 
but he's just not an overall two-way player, and it's come back to hurt not only his team, but himself throughout his career, in my opinion. It's hurting the Nets, and it's really helping the Rockets, a team that I think they're on a five-game win streak right now, a team that I could think could get into that 10 uh, play-in bubble now with how they've been playing and how they've been on defense. You know, I look at Steven Silas, he gets a shot at being a head coach for the first time, it reminds me a lot about this guy, David Coley, who's probably going to get a shot 27 years in the NFL, and his best player is probably demanding a trade. It does kind of alarm me, though, that the Rockets are the number one defensive team since losing Harden, and the Nets are the worst defensive team all time since gaining Harden, regardless of how good they are offensively. Tell me I wasn't slightly right with the fact that he doesn't play defense at all. I mean, that's not true, that he doesn't play defense at all. That's No, I won't say you're slightly right about that. I mean, he's not a plus defender. Your team's not getting better on defense from adding him, but he's one of the best offensive players ever, and the defensive issues aren't as overblown as people like to make them. I mean, part of the issue, I mean, part of the reason the Rockets are going to take a huge boost on defense is the personnel they added. I mean, like, sure, losing James Harden doesn't hurt your defense at all, like I was saying, but bringing in John Wall and Oladipo in your backcourt instead of James Harden and Ben McLemore. Like, I, I don't even, like, uh, obviously they got a lot better on defense. I'll say that. A lot of it also due to Steven Silas over Mike D'Antoni. Like, I think with Daryl Morey and Mike D'Antoni leaving, it was basically a whole overhaul of their entire system, which had been offense, offense, offense. So, to be fair, this I'm not going to use any, like, sample size of defensive numbers with Harden this year on the Rockets because he had – Missed games, played what, maybe like seven games, new staff, new team. And, like, they've, they've been better since. Like, I will say the Rockets got better, like, addition by subtraction thing, got better by losing Harden because it's a guy who doesn't want to be there. I mean, regardless of how good he is at basketball, if a dude doesn't want to be playing on the team and it's clear to everyone, the team's going to play better when they're gone. Like, I don't know if you've heard, but I watch, I watch a lot of Rockets games, even with Harden not there. And John Wall, in, like, three separate interviews now, I saw a tweet the other day. <laughs> It was like a joke tweet. It was like, hey, John, how are you doing? And the response was like, look, we're just doing good now that we have everyone that wants to be here. He says it after every game. It's hilarious. I don't blame him for taking a shot at Harden. He'll be like, yeah, you know what? We're just playing a lot better now that everyone here wants to be here. But I, I don't blame him. He's taking a shot at him every time. But like, yeah, I'd be pissed if I was him too, trying to come back from an injury after three years. And Harden was like not giving it his all. But I just say that to say I think their increase in defense – it's more about the additions of Oladipo and Wall and a change in the coaching staff. Obviously, losing Harden doesn't hurt, but I don't think it's solely due to Harden being gone at all. Okay, well then, why is it the Nets are the worst defensive team in the league? It's got it, it has to do something with Harden. I mean, he didn't play last night, and Kyrie can't guard a stick. But come on, man, nobody on that team is playing any defense, and I think it attributes to the fact that that's just the style that not only James Harden but KD, Kyrie, those guys play. Just limited defense in the NBA, in which you need to play defense to win championships. And I know they're in the East. Who's the best defender on the Nets? Bruce Brown is what they're saying, who got absolutely fucking torched last night. He got torched last night. And then probably Bruce Brown. But, like, that's my my point, basically. Like, they're... They don't have any great defenders. Like, again, hard. Yeah, but Rich, my point is now you're asking guys like Kyrie and Kevin and James Harden to be defensive players, and they're not. They can't guard a stick. They can't guard anything. The team you left is now the number one defensive rated uh, NBA team in the league. Six, same record as you. I do think that stuff matters. I do think that. Okay, I I thought. Where I disagree with you is I think it's about. I feel like you're focusing more on Harden, and I think it's about the overall personnel. Like, Harden's part of it on both sides. Like, John Wall and Oladipo are absolutely better defenders than Harden is, try harder on defense than Harden does. 
And the Nets are absolutely the worst defensive team we've ever seen in terms of the roster. The reason I'm not going to blame Harden for it, though, is like last night Harden misses and their defense gets even worse. So it's not like I'm not saying Harden's just like, oh, he makes their defense so much better. But it's like he's not the problem when he's missing and their defense is even worse. The problem is just their personnel is offense, 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 no defense. Yeah, but here's the thing, man. Let's talk about the game that happened last night. There's a ton of great games in the NBA. I mean, in the last 25 seasons, teams are 9 and 23,498 when trailing by plus five points in the final 10 seconds of a game. Bro, we had two games in literally the past two days were those nine. Blazers and Wizards, yeah. Literally. Um, you know, I did want to touch on the Blazers, but I need to touch on the on the Russell Westbrook game first. Mm-hmm. You know, he talked about himself not being healthy. We talked about him basically on the pod last week and you know, I was worried about him on the decline, but you know how big of a Russ guy I am. Look, I got his jersey up there in the background. You see it? Hanging up in the background for the pod today. Uh, here's the thing, bro. He goes off. He has 41 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists last night, 2 blocks and a steal. Uh, incredible. Like, the game he was playing, he was looking more normal to me in terms of getting to the rim, attacking the rim, not shooting as much. He did make a clutch three at the end of the game and did shoot a little bit better, but maybe that attributed to him being healthy. Um... I just think he's like the most hated NBA player and he gets knocked the hardest and I don't understand why. Like we, the whole thing with the triple double for me is just annoying. I brought it up on the podcast. It's like, what do you want him to do? Not get these? Like he's just playing basketball, bro. He plays harder than anyone in my opinion, flopping all over the floor like he's in high school and he's a fucking grown ass man. Like he's incredible. And the only reason they won that game last night is because of him. Because Brad Beal wasn't doing shit in the first half. He had quit on the team, bro. He's looking like he wants to get traded, no doubt. Then all of a sudden, he caps off for 37 points. And they became the first Wizards teammates since 1964 to score 37+. plus In a game in which they take out the Nets that they had all day in the bag because of their defense, giving up 149, 108 shots, 48 points in the fourth quarter. So, here's my thing. I think the Wizards might have a chance. I think the Wizards might have a chance to make the play if Russ is that good in terms of healthy and attacking the rim like that. Alarming that Nets are losing games like this because the Wizards, right? Worst team in the NBA, everyone's going to say. But here's my thing on everyone knocking the Wizards. Bro, Russ's Brad Beal barely even wants to be there. Berton's been out. Uh, Bryant's out for the year with an ACL. Guys have been hurt. They got fucking crushed with COVID. They played the least amount of games at any team in the NBA. So... Yeah, the Wizards might be able to turn it around if Russ is playing a little bit better. Things we talked about a little bit off air the other day, like living up to your contract. Here's my point. Russ has been living up to his contract. I got to post up the most uh, paid players. We'll have hopefully time to get into it. But he's living up to his contract, bro. Just because they're not winning games. He's up there putting a fucking triple-double a night, playing hard as hell, not healthy. And if he's healthy, now you better watch out if Brad Beal is still playing. I mean... They absolutely couldn't make the play in. And so here's my question. So here's my question. What was more alarming last night for you in terms of, uh, you know, going forward? Like, do you think the Wizards have a better shot of looking what we actually thought they would, which potentially be a playoff team in the East? Or are you more on the side where, damn, like, this is how the Nets have been losing mad games. You showed me a stat of, like, everyone going up against career highs against them. Bro, I don't think that's an anomaly. That has to do with defense. Yeah. That's not a trend, bro. They're just giving up fucking... Every point trying to outscore people. So I'm asking you, what are you seeing more from that game? That that's going to be more likely and that Nets can fix it? Or that the Wizards can kind of turn things around? I mean, to me, the more glaring thing is on the Nets side there. And it's not to bash the Wizards, but the Wizards just played as, like, the stats you went over, the stats of your Instagram posts, what's on pace to be the worst defense 
this year and the worst defense ever. So the only reason, not that I'm taking anything away from the Wizards, but the Wizards have looked really bad all year, ravaged by COVID. Russ hasn't been there. A bunch of their guys haven't been there. But, like, we're one game where everyone's like, Russ looks back. Team looks great. Got a nice win. It's like, yeah, it's against the worst defense ever, even if it's against a team with some superstars on it. So I'm going to wait to say, like, oh, they're back. They're going to be good. Like, I hope so. They should. They We both had them being a playoff team. They haven't been that so far. I hope they make the play in and turn things around. But is there something into this? Is there something into it where, like, Russ wasn't healthy and now we know he wasn't healthy? Like, it was clear something was going on with Russ. Like, like bro, they yeah, would, in my, my opinion, they my wouldn't argument. be that that bad even with Russ playing like it's like damn some had to be up and like I know he went up against KD I know he hates KD but like that was the Russ I've been trying to say like get to the rim bro do more of that he finally looked healthy enough to do that opened up the floor a little bit for Brad Beal yeah miraculous comeback game but like gotta give them credit man they're they're three and twelve trying to fight back credit my concern is it's a one game sample size and like When's the last time we saw Russ healthy for, for a full year? He had a great stretch with the Rockets last year, but then had the hamstring injury. He had some good stretches with the Thunder, but had some injuries with Paul George, had some injuries the year before that. Like, the last year I remember him playing, like, a full season healthy the whole year was his MVP year. Not to say he can't do that again. It's just been a while. So, like, he looked great last night, not taking anything away from him. I'm just hesitant to be like, oh, they're back. He's going to be healthy, even though they just played the worst defense. To me, the issue is the Nets. I mean, we've said it a few times, but, like, I can't. Obviously, their expectation is going to be championship this year, but I can't. I'm having a tough time. We even said in the last pod, like, oh, they'll get to the, like I was saying at least, I don't know exactly where your feelings are, but I was saying, like, yeah, I think they're like a conference finals team, but I don't think they'll be in the finals this year. Like, the way their defense has been playing, they'll be lucky to be a conference finals team. This yeah, year. I agree. The only benefit of the doubt I'll give them is they've played, I think, four games with Kyrie, Harden, and Durant all there, and as bad as they might that might be as a defensive trio – the sad part is Harden and Durant are two of their better defenders. Say whatever you want about Harden. If he's trying on defense, he is a more capable defender than almost everyone on the rest of that team. Like Kyrie, Kyrie has a real tough time on defense. Like admitting you can't guard a stick, like you and I have both played basketball. Like it hurts when you get toasted by some dude like over and over again. Yeah. It's like, damn, this hurts. To come out after the game, just be yeah, I couldn't guard a stick. It's like, yeah, dude, that's more of a problem than this game. Like, you just went against one of the worst records in the league. You're going to better learn how to guard a stick, man. So yeah. Like, I not- just, yeah, but, dude, I- that's my thing. Is like, they're like, oh, shit, dude, it was Ross. Like, you can't. Nah, dude, he was getting torched by Colin Sexton. He's been getting torched by all kinds of dudes. Torched and- by Emmanuel quickly a few games ago. Yeah, like, which, yeah. by the way, give him a quick shout-out. We watched the game yesterday. He had 27 points in 25 yeah. minutes, bro. He's a, bu- he's a bucket. Uh, here's my thing, though, for... Is it Iman Shumper? I heard reported fi- finalizing a deal with the the Nets. Is that enough on some of these guys they can bring in to be able to guard some? Like I don't think they, that's enough. Teams, I'd say like, like those are guys where like teams like the Lakers last year, where you could add one of those pieces and you're like, okay, that might be the final piece, like a good like defender, like three and D guy. Like the Nets aren't like one okay defender away from like being a title contender to me this year. They're like a couple lockdown defenders <laughs> like I, I guarantee if this was a podcast where we had like a huge audience and i said this people would be roasting us but like they literally need to sign andre roberson like people shit on andre roberson like he's a great defender it doesn't matter if the dude shoots threes off the side of the backboard like you have three guys out there to get the shots like literally get someone that's a lockdown defender just anyone that can stop someone rather than like because to me like I'd agree with you. To me, Bruce Brown would probably be like second, maybe first. Him and KD are different kind of defenders. Obviously, you're not going to put KD on a point guard. But, like, the fact that Bruce Brown is your best perimeter defender when at the beginning of the year before they made the trade, he was getting, like, four minutes a game. It's like, 
it's fine. I actually like Bruce Brown as a player, but it's like you need you need some better defenders there. It's not going to work. And like I again, I don't think I, I don't think they're like Andre Roberson's like oh they'll get him and then they're a Finals team. No, but like you need to sign some really good defenders and like get something to work. In. Yeah, it'll get my, better over time. Like, here's my thing though. We should staff, new players playing together. It'll get better, I think, but I don't know how much better. Here's my thing. We should definitely have more of an audience and more of a following when you giving takes like that. The reason why we don't is because of my Brady takes, but I don't give a fuck. Uh. <laughs> I'll keep riding with him till the day I die. But I, yeah, I did give a shout out before you got in here. I got my Instagram up to over a hundred followers, and that was my one of my original goals. So like now I'm just gonna go for two hundred. Like that's what I gotta so try to do. Talking about keep that plugging for it. One second. What in the world was good with that Colin Coward picture? That looks nothing like him. He literally made himself Tom Brady. Yeah, I he dropped he Tom dropped Brady a new person. podcast, and he can have like ten thousand followers in one day. So it kind of got my vibes down. But I do like Colin. Uh, <laughs> You know, he talked about how he took him nine months to get his podcast going. And it really made me think about, like, damn, bro, like, in order to get to where we're at now, like, it kind of took me a full year of, like, you know, trial and error and fucking around and doing this and that. So, I don't know. It is kind of cool. Uh, If Colin Colin can make himself look like that, then when we get big on this thing, I better look like an animated, like, Zac Efron or something. Yeah, I will. I'll make you look for sure the best out of all of us. Uh, Definitely. Uh Let's get into this, though. The other game that was included in that 9 and 23,000 or whatever the fuck it was, which is just crazy. Uh, two great games. Uh, yeah. Your boy, uh, Damian Lillard, um, he had two unreal threes back-to-back. We didn't even kind of get into how it happened with the Wizards, which, by the way, did you watch the replay? Like, Brad Beal, literally, he ran into a deep three, and then it was just like... One of the worst inbounds of Joe Harris of all time, probably. Like, threw it to nobody. Like, all you got to do is you could have threw it on the ground and it, it would have been better. Like, you threw it to the other guy. Joe Harris played the best game of his career, too. He had some crazy numbers and then did that. Yeah, I saw that. Um, Crazy. But, uh, yeah, Lillard, to me, is looking like a like a top three MVP. Like, we watched Jokic yesterday. He put up 47-11-5, and I think he's up there with Embiid. Like, Joel Embiid and Jokic, in my opinion, are the guys that are up there for the MVP. Uh, I talked about LeBron and KD, and obviously those guys are always there, but I think these guys, these big men, are putting a stamp on it with some of the games we've been seeing, particularly Jokic. And uh, we've talked about it a little bit, but Damian Lillard's not far behind, bro. Ever since he had twins, he's been balling. You go look at Damian Lillard's past five, six games, he's been incredible, bro. And with CJ, that's been a theme in the NBA last year. Mike Conley came back to the bubble after having a few babies and crushed it. Last yeah, year. bro. Mike Van Fleet left the playoffs, had babies, and then came back in the finals against for the real. Warriors, lit him up. Like that's a that's a real thing. Yeah, for real. So he's been balling ever since he had his babies. Uh, you got to give a shout out to him for sure for what he's been doing with CJ McCollum been out. A couple guys. So a couple questions. Do you think Damian Lillard is top three in the MVP? You think the Blazers are living up to that hype that you originally had for them? And Special one for you. Carmelo Anthony, he's 21 points away from passing Dominique Wilkins for 13th all-time on the NBA scoring list. They got the Bucks tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. Is he getting 21 tonight on the Bucks? Three questions for you on the Blazers. So I will say he probably doesn't get 21 tonight. He doesn't get many 20-point games anymore. Bucks are a good defensive team. The one reason he could get it, he hasn't shot well the last few games, but the Bucks give up the most threes in the league. Budenholzer basically doesn't guard the three-point line. So I guess he could, but I don't think it's likely to get it tonight. Go look at how many losses the Bucks have and then come back at me and tell me how many I told you they're going to have this year. They have eight losses. What was the over-under, like 11 losses or something? I don't even remember. Well, I told you I told you they were going to have 20 losses, and you looked at me like I had four heads. 
I did. Honestly, I would still kind of look at you like you have four heads. Like, I almost don't expect them to get 12 more, but they're absolutely on pace to get 12 more. But, like, it, it is shocking. Go ahead, Blazers. Um, do I have him top three right now? That's tough. So, part of me wants to say yes for the fact that they're – I mean, technically they're the seven seed right now, but they're one game back of the four seeds. Like, everyone's right next to each other. So, like, part of me wants to say yes for the fact that they're even, like, in that top four picture right now without CJ and Nurk. You talk about the Nets defense being bad. The Nets should definitely not be worse than the Blazers on defense. The Blazers starting lineup the last few nights when Robert Covington was out was Lillard, Gary Trent, Mello, and Cantor, who are four of the worst defenders in the NBA. And then Derek Jones Jr., who's a good defender. But like their defense is – and they're somehow playing better defense than the Nets, which is incredible and makes no sense. As bad as the Nets defense is – that Blazers starting lineup might be one of the worst defensive starting lineups ever rolled out. Um, they're hurt. They hurt without Nerd, Nerd and Covington in there. You know, Covington's having a down year. I will say Lillard's close for me. He was my pick to win it. But with what Embiid, I mean, the Clippers are the number one record. Paul George is about to have like well over the best 50, 40, 90 season ever if he keeps it up. So like as crazy as it is, I got Paul George in there right now. I got LeBron in there right now. I think I got Embiid in there right now. I think I probably have Jokic before Dame, too. So, like, Dame's top five, probably in that fifth spot for me, but I don't think I could put him top three as much as I want to. And that's and that's also not counting, like, Durant and Luka, who are up there, too. So, I don't think I could put him top three right now, but, I mean, everything's so close and so many people are having a good year where if he put up, like, two 50-point games, I, I could easily change my mind on that. Yeah, for sure. Like a lot of uh, impressive stuff going on uh, right now in the in the league. Talked about the Rockets on a five game. Talk about the Jazz a little bit. They were on eleven game. Got snapped yesterday by Nokic's uh, or Jokic's forty seven. Uh, Clippers have been hot. You covered them a little bit. They're leading the league in three point and free throw percentage. I mean, PG's been balling like you said. And uh, here's an interesting one for me, bro. That I wanted to just touch on real quick before we get into anything else. The bell's about to go off. But Dallas Mavs, bro, they're on a five-game losing streak. A team that I had, obviously, you weren't as high on them. Porzingis is just selly, bro. Like lots of stuff on Nick's Twitter and Reddit. Oh my god, bro! Trade and going through it in detail. And I mean, it sounds crazy because the Knicks got back Dennis Smith, who has done nothing. So bad. Looking at the picks they got, who the Knicks have drafted, the salary cap they saved, and what Porzingis is doing right now, there is a very fair argument to say the Knicks won that trade. Which even twenty days ago would have sounded insane to me, but like putting everything into perspective, looking at it, it's kind of like, yeah, dude. Okay, I'd agree. I'd agree. Uh, did want to touch a couple, uh, on this for a second. Um, LaMelo ball. He hasn't been starting, uh, his past two games. He had season high 31 minutes versus Atlanta, 22 points, 12 rebounds, 11 assists. He had 31 minutes the other night against Milwaukee, 27, five and nine. You think LaMelo should be starting? Do you think he's the clear rookie of the year? The NBA released uh, rankings on it, and they got James Wiseman ahead of him. That's asinine. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. And then they got Tyrese Halliburton at three. No Anthony Edwards, and he's up here leading the league in scoring. I saw or leading rookies in scoring. I saw him have another, you know, pretty solid night last night too. So I would literally put Halliburton in front of James Wiseman right now. I'd have Wiseman third. The NBA's rankings has James Wiseman first. It's crazy. But um, ask James, I'm like I've, I've said this before in here. I watch a lot of the West Coast games because we, we'll usually like 
you know, I'll game with you guys or be eating dinner or whatever, like during some of the early games and then like hop off and I'll usually watch till the end of the game. So I yeah. watch a lot of like Rockets, Warriors, the West Coast teams yeah. more so than like Bucks, Celtics and stuff like that. But he hasn't looked good. He puts up some decent numbers games, but it's like if you're watching the games, like, and I don't blame him. He didn't play basketball for the last year. He's a young prospect. Like, he, I'm not saying he won't be good overall, but like, there's a reason Kevin Looney has replaced him in the starting lineup, and Kevin Looney plays like 16 minutes a game. Like, he's not good. He can't play NBA level defense. He literally gets all his buckets on Draymond or Steph setting him up or little putbacks. Like, he's a below average center right now. And Tyrese Halliburton, again, watch a lot of him because he's on the West Coast. I'm ashamed to say how much Kings I watch, but I unfortunately watch a lot of Kings basketball. He's filthy. Like, he's filthy. He's, I would say, the best defender on the Kings roster. I would say I would have nothing wrong if I could get a good package. With you got him above LaMelo? No, not above LaMelo. I have, I'd have LaMelo first, and he should be starting. But, like, I would have nothing wrong with if the Kings found a good package trading De'Aaron Fox and being like, yo, this is our guy. Like, he is way better than – like, Fox gets steals and is quick. Halliburton is a, like, I am going to D you up the full court, stay in front of you, control the ball, and play really good offense. Yeah, like, he was like that. Uh, he was like he's that. better honestly. than De'Aaron Fox right now, but I would bet almost anything that he will have a better career than De'Aaron Fox. Halliburton's going to be so good. I would have him far ahead of Wiseman at two. You look at the numbers, and Wiseman looks like he's having, like, oh, those are pretty good numbers. Like, big men kind of run into numbers, especially when you're being thrust into 25 minutes a game on a high-volume shooting team. He hasn't looked like a good player. No love for Anthony Edwards? Uh, I think he, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him finish above Wiseman or maybe even second in the rookie of the year voting. I don't think he gets above Lock or LaMelo, but I think he'll get more playing time as the year goes because the Timberwolves season is just going to go down the shitter even more probably. So that that's on them if they don't start giving that dude more minutes. I can't figure out why he's only been getting 23, 24 minutes. Like, you guys suck. Just give your number one pick some minutes, especially with Carl Anthony Downs out. Like, how are you not just – giving the dude 32 minutes a night. I think they've been giving him some more the last few games, but I think he could creep up there, but I don't have him ahead of, uh, for sure, LaMelo, then Halliburton, probably Wiseman number three, but I think you could maybe make an argument for Edwards. Yeah, I agree. I think Wiseman ranked way too high. I would, like he's To me, I wouldn't have him top three. I think Halliburton's a sleeper for sure, and he'd probably be third for me. I think Anthony Edwards is second, regardless of how the Timberwolves are doing. Like He's in a fucking horrible situation, and he's out there think, still playing. I don't think you should factor in team success to most improved player because usually, like rookie of the year. I meant, that's what I meant. Rookie yeah. of the year because rookies are go. The best rookies are going to the worst teams in the league. There's nothing they can do about it. Yeah, I agree. Like, but like that's like an MVP. That's I agree. But like that's still something people are gonna do. Like pe- people are, don't even have Edwards in that top three probably because of how bad the Wolves are. But the dude's still out there playing and putting up numbers yeah. like better than he Wiseman. Just went a little inefficient, but he's been better the last few games. I think you could. I think you could. Uh, yeah, I think there's definitely an argument for him top three or if you want to put him two. But yeah, for me, LaMelo, Halliburton, and then toss-up between the other two. I guess Wiseman, but toss-up. Cool. We covered a little bit of stuff we covered before. I got 50 seconds to cover this. I saw Ben Simmons' rookie numbers, and then next to his fourth season, we've covered him a bunch. We talked about him a bunch. Uh, what the fuck is the deal with Ben Simmons, dude? Like, it, he's regressing. Like, he's straight-up yeah. regressing. The only reason I wouldn't – or I would, wouldn't – go as far as to say he's regressing is because he wasn't an all NBA defender his like first year or two. And now he's like, you can put him one through five and he will actually lock someone up, which doesn't show up in the box score. So it's hard to like, it's hard to really take into effect, but that's not to let him off the hook. Cause you're right. Like the offense basically looks how it looked in his rookie year when we were all like, Oh my God, this guy could be like Giannis. This yeah. guy could be LeBron. And then it's like, 
well, he still looks like worse than rookie. Year yeah, right literally. The, <laughs> so, yo, the so, yo, the post, yo, the post says his this man's prime was his rookie year with a skull face. Actually yes. hilarious. I mean, actually hilarious. He's literally an All NBA defender now. <laughs> Like yeah, on offense he has, he hasn't improved much. It's gotta be it's gotta be something in the dude's head. Like whether he's like a super like insecure or unkind. Like it's gotta be something related to why he's not shooting, why he can't shoot in like front of people, like why he's not doing more in his game. Like I don't know, but I would be. I if I were the 76ers, I'd be giving it like the I think the trade deadline's March 25th. I'd be giving it like the rest of the month, and if. We're, it's tough to say because they're they're the number one seed right now and playing well, but I'm just picturing it like when we go into the playoffs. Like, it's going to look like it's looked in the past. Like, you're just going to have to throw Ben Simmons in the corner because teams aren't going to fucking guard him and are basically playing five on four on you. So if I were them, unless some mar- marvelous change happens in the next month, which I don't expect it to, I'd be calling up the Wizards and seeing what we have to do to get Bradley Beal for Ben Simmons. Yeah. Uh, ben Simmons is selling. I don't think Bradley Beal's getting traded, though. I think the Wizards are going to keep him. I think Russ is going to be healthy, and I think they're going to get Baton, some of these guys back, and I they're going to uh, make a push. I heard Woj saying, like, he talked to Beal's agent, and they, like, basically, basically they're thinking this entire time has been, like, unless Washington no longer wants him there, like, he's not going to ever request a trade in the middle of the year. And, like, yeah. Woj was basically just saying, like, part of that's probably him being loyal, and part of that's, like, yo, if I'm going to get traded – I want to like. I want it to be in the off season when I know what teams are good, what guys are good, and apparently the Wizards have told him, and they said they'll honor this um, promise. I don't know if you saw this on social media yesterday, but they promised him they would not trade him when they he signed his new contract to any team that he didn't want to play for. And like yesterday, it was reported like that the Wither, Wizards plan to honor that. So that's that, that's at least good. They want to be like a respectable franchise. Don't want to send him off somewhere shitty. Want to like at least help him out. Yeah, dude. But they, my thing is like, don't be fucking looking like you did in the first half last night. Even if you want to get traded, like you're leading the league in scoring. Like just play. Like either like your team's not doing great. Like, like things can come back around. Not gonna come back around if you're not out there playing. And it was just a bad look. Like, all right, if you're trying to force a trade and and act like a fucking you know a, a chump in my opinion, then fine. But like, if you're just gonna be the guy somewhere. If you want to get traded and get honored of it, at least continue to play. He's been balling out. Like I think the I Wizards can argue, come back. I would argue back that he played 38 minutes, went 37, 6, and 4, and has been playing almost 40 minutes a night, getting like 40, and they're just taking losses. I feel like the I don't think it's like a hard in like quitting on the team. Bro, go watch the first half. Go watch the first I, half. I saw. I saw. I know. He didn't take any shots, but I'm just saying, like, they won the game. He hit a big shot. He played 38 minutes, put up 37 points. Like, and it's not like he's. I don't view his as like, fuck this team. I'm quitting on you guys. I view him as like, bro, I am drained. Can someone please help me? Like, please help me win a game. Like, I'm not going to shit on him for that. That's, That's fine. how it's been for like three years for him. Like the dude's been busting. That's fine. I do say they win that game last night because of Russ though. And in spite against KD and he straight dagger in his heart at the end of the game. For sure. They also shut out Russ. Joe Harris is terrible inbound, but no, because of Russ too. For sure. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to touch on this real quick. Um, Zion in his first 40 games, I don't know if you saw this, but he has the highest field goal percentage ever through his first 40 games. He shot 58.5 through 40 games with the Pelicans. That's the highest field goal by any player in NBA history through their first 40 games. Minimum 500 field goal attempts. There's another stat on Zion in which players with multiple 30-point games while shooting 75% from the field before turning 21, Zion has three, Shaq has three, KG has two. Is Zion not just Shaq? 
in KG in everything that I've kind of been telling you, a rim runner, Blake Griffin dunker, like he might be able to develop a jump shot at some point, but what he is right now is running and dunking. And realistically, it's not gotten the Pelicans anywhere because they're looking to trade J.J. Redick. They're looking to trade Lonzo Ball. They're looking like they're going to blow it up and Stan Van Gundy wasn't the guy. I mean, it's a mess down there. And they're saying, what, you're building around Zion. And it, this goes back to the original start of the NBA season. Zion or Ja? I'm taking Ja every day of the week, bro. I'm taking Ja every day of the week. No doubt about it. What is good? Like, is Zion going to be able to shoot ever? Is Zion just going to be... Shaq and KG in today's NBA, I don't think that's going to be longevity-wise or championship-wise. Uh, so I just wanted to see what you had to say about these incredible stats from Zion that, to me, don't really mean much in the end. Yeah, uh, it's tough. So, number one, Brandon Ingram has the highest usage on the team. Zion's not far behind him, but then you still have Lonzo and Bledsoe there. So I think you could argue he's just not getting the ball enough. Like, he should have the ball in his hands more, for better or worse. Like, maybe it makes them a worse team. But with how good this dude is, and if he's making shots at a more efficient rate than anyone ever, granted, they're all right next to the hoop. That's why it's the most efficient. But still, if he's making shots at a more efficient rate than anyone ever, like, get the dude the ball more. He was literally – you were – their front office was cheering and celebrating when they got him with the number one pick. And like, I love Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram's a good player, but I think most people would agree. Like not that Brandon, not that Zion will be better than Brandon Ingram, but like the potential ceiling on him is probably higher than anyone else on the roster because people were saying the ceiling on him was higher than anyone besides like LeBron and Jordan and stuff like that. So like, I just think they need to give the kids some more touches, run the offense through him a little bit more. Not that he's like a Jokic going to like, distribute to everyone like be just running the whole team but like just get the get the dude a ball a little more for better or worse i think he should be the number one usage guy for them um but i mean i agree with you i, I agree with you on the jaw thing if i'm if i'm picking between him and jaw like i'm gonna take the guy who i can put the ball in his hands and he can take you didn't him. say that before though i said that last time we talked about this on the podcast I did not say that initially, I, and I, but I still stand by that. If you if you gave me the number one pick in the draft right now, and I was doing that draft over, I honestly don't know who I would pick because that's for going forward. I'm just saying at this moment right now, Ja has been the better NBA player because he can just do more things in the game. But still, if you put me in that position right now, knowing everything I know now, I don't know that I'd take him over Zion because Zion still has that high ceiling, a lot of high usage guys on the team. We haven't seen him just get control of the full offense like Ja does yet. And, like, you know, he's not the facilitator. Hey, bro. So he not have as much control as Ja does, but I think he needs to be a little bit more involved than he has been so far. Uh, yeah, so let's just – we'll take some time here. If you got to cover anything in the NBA, we'll sh just kind of spit it back and forth. I'm looking at the standings. i got a couple things to get into you uh, with that before we get out of the NBA. i got a couple topics in the NFL to talk with you, and then hopefully Duke makes it by before you have to head out. Uh – Yo, the Grizzlies are five seed in the West, bro. And I get it. They've played a lot less games because of COVID and shit, but they're on a six-game win streak. Ja was out for a couple weeks. He pushed back hard. I mean, you're people sleeping on the Grizzlies, bro. And to me, that's Ja. That is Ja literally taking over that team and leading that team to not only the play-in last year, but to a five seed in the West right now and what's a really messed up COVID year for the NBA, obviously. Um... You know, just the looking. Thing with that, the only thing I'll say Pelicans that, are seven eleven, bro. They're at the. They're fucking literally last in the West besides the T Wolves. 
And so that that matters to me. And 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 what Ja has done in the NBA since he's been in the NBA compared to Zion is, in my opinion, like vastly better. I mean, yeah. let's just get for real here. I I would agree with that, but I will say the only thing with the Grizzlies, I'm surprised they're that high as well, and I'm not knocking it for it. But they've played less games than anyone in the league so far. They've only played 14 games. The Jazz, Lakers, and Clippers have over 15 wins. <laughs> not, like they, the, the Lakers have played uh, 22 games, and the, and the Grizzlies have played 14. Yeah, so no, and that's what I. That's kind of what I was going to ask you. Just looking through these standings, because you got the Grizzlies at a five seed, and you got the Suns, Blazers, and Warriors. Uh, Warriors with 11 wins. It's by win percentage, but like, is the NBA going to be able yeah. to keep this up if you know you got teams that are playing five, six, seven, eight games less than other teams? Like, bro, I like I don't know. I think they're going to have to get creative with the all-star break. I think they're going to have to push the all-star break, like make it two weeks. Well, make it two weeks for some teams, but make some teams come back after one week. Like, I think that's the only way they're going to get back on track. Like basically give some of the teams that are fully caught up a few more days of rest and kind of be like, Grizzlies, sorry, you guys got your rest. You got to play your games. You know, I'm glad you brought that up too. Cause I saw they were, they're still trying to have an all-star game after talking about not having an all-star game. Like why, like, why are they doing that? Like, I'll say this, even if they don't do the All-Star game, I still think what I just said applies because I still think they'll need to give them like an All-Star break even if the game got canceled, and I think they need to stretch it out and get those games in. But, yeah, there's a there's an argument to be made whether they should be having an All-Star game or not. Yeah, that I don't think that's a smart idea. That, that seems dumb by the NBA, in my opinion, and they've handled some of this stuff, in my opinion, not the way I would have expected it. Um, I, would assume, I would assume that's just all the losing out on money that they don't want to miss out on, like, All-Star Weekend, which is one of the biggest ones. And that's – I know that's not the right way to go about it. You got to make sure, like, the product's good, like, you got your players healthy. But I'm assuming they're trying to find a way to make it as safe as possible and still have it because that's another big loss of money if they don't have one at all. Granted, there already won't even be fans there. There will only be a few, I'd imagine. All right, so here's my here's my last thing in the NBA before we switch into some NFL. Um, just looking at, I'm just I love rolling through these standings sometimes because it shows you like the win streaks, obviously the record where everyone's at. So the Knicks they lost yesterday. We were watching the game. They're nine and twelve. They're just outside the Hornets, which by the way they've been sleepy with Gordon Hayward, who's been living up to his contract for sure. They're nine and eleven in the eighth seed. You got the Cavs nine and eleven in the seventh seed. Hawks are definitely going to make the playoffs in my opinion. Trey Young's been balling out. You got the Knicks, Raptors, Bulls. Like, the Knicks are the nine seed right now. Knicks, Raptors, Bulls, Magic, Heat, Pistons, Wizards. Kind of talked about the Wizards maybe to try and climb up. Jimmy Butler's back for the Heat. He's missed, like, two weeks with COVID, lost 12 pounds, like, has been playing, so we'll see if the Heat can get back up in the standings. Magic getting back down to earth a little bit. Markel Fultz going down didn't help, in my opinion. Bulls trying to win games on Zach Levine. Zach Levine should be an all-star. And you did your all-star on my pod. I haven't done my all-star yet. Zach Levine needs to be an all-star. And then the Raptors, a team that we kind of thought would be still there. But in my opinion, I thought they were going to be crappy because they are living down in Tampa. And it's kind of thrown out to fruition. But they've gotten back up in the standings a little bit just behind the Knicks. Out of all those teams not inside the playoffs right now what which one you think the Knicks can climb back up in there you got the heat making it back up to the no, eight seed like I, what's good I was always hesitant Raptors I was always hesitant on the Knicks actually making that play in and like I mean I don't want to be pessimistic as a Knicks fan but the fact of the matter is like I think Tom Thibodeau is going to burn the team out a little bit. Like, I love what he's been doing, but, like, Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett are just playing so many minutes. And granted, they're both young. Usually when guys are, like, having a lot of 40-minute nights, they get worn down towards the end of the season. So, and and the Knicks are already 
or at least started off over uh, like over exceeding expectations a little bit. So the fact that the Heat and the pace, or excuse me, the Heat and the Raptors have started off so bad are behind them. The Wizards have had like the worst possible start and are behind them. Like I just see there being a lot of teams that I don't think the Heat are going to be that bad getting Jimmy back. Like even if the Heat are like just a play-in team and are a first-round bounce, like they don't want to like after getting to the finals and people saying like it was a fluke, they don't want to miss the playoffs and confirm that. Like they're gonna. The Heat are absolutely going to make the play-in, in my mind, even if they don't make much noise after that. The Raptors, I'd say, are going to make the play-in unless they really just give it in and trade Lowry or something like that. So I think it's going to be tough for the Knicks to stay in there. And then one of those teams, whether it's the Magic or Bulls, honestly probably ends up with a better record than the Knicks just because some more talented guys on their rosters, in my opinion, and guys that have been together longer too. So I, I love the Knicks. I hope they stay in there. But Knicks have, have their own pick this year, have some picks. I'm not going to be mad if they uh, – fall out of the playoffs because honestly they the Knicks have just shown that they're willing to actually like complete compete they're one of the best defenses like they've made a lot of progress I wouldn't be upset if they fall out of the playoffs I think it's bound to happen honestly yeah uh all right just gonna shout out Lillard and then I want to get into some NFL um bro he's where's this at yeah I have it right here he's He's number three in scoring, number nine in assists, number seven in minutes, 95 from the free throw line, and he's got the most unassisted threes in the league. Like, I don't know, man. It's I know it's not the numbers that everyone else is, but it, there's so many guys up there. Like, Luka's not even in the conversation. He's the favorite this year. Like, the man, you know what I'm saying? So, like, he's not even in it, right? Like, there's so many guys that get it. I think it's kind of criminal to leave Lillard out. Just with everything yeah, going on, and he's got to be like an all star for sure. Like they're talking about guys getting slayed in. Like, bro, he's got to be an all star starter, bro. Like, what? Like Lillard oh, is sure. always getting slept on, bro. It's. I don't know. I think they count Paul George as a front court guy, but if they count him as a back court, that's tough. Because I'll tell you right now, Steph's going to be the number one vote getter for guards, regardless of if Lillard deserves it or not. Like Steph Curry will get voted in by more fans than anyone else. Steph Curry will be starting. So it really comes down to. I guess if Luca or Lillard gets the nod, uh, is the other starter because Luca, honestly, it'll, it'll probably be Luca and Steph no matter what. I think they'll just get more votes. So many European voters and so many people vote for Steph. L- I bet Lillard will get slighted from the starters. That would be my guess. Well, I, he deserves to be a starter. I just think the way fan voting goes for the starters, I don't, I don't think he'll end up being one. Yeah. All right, let's get into some NFL. It's Super Bowl week. Um. Let's just get a little bit of analysis on some of the Super Bowl. I'm not asking for game picks yet. Hopefully, I'll get you on before then. But it is this Sunday. You got more playoff wins. Oh, shit. You got more playoff wins since turning 35 than any other QB in their entire career in Tom Brady. Um, 17 wins since turning uh, 35 in the playoffs. Tom Brady. Um, up against Pat Mahomes, which by the way, man, he ain't no scrub at all before 26 trying to win two Super Bowls. Um, you know, that's basically all the conversation is Mahomes against Brady. Right. But in my opinion, this game's going to come down to some other things, bro. You're going to have Steve Spagnola defend, uh, the defense coordinator for the chiefs who has a number on Tom Brady, one in three in playoffs versus Tom Brady is up against Steve Pagnola, defense coordinator of the Chiefs. Le'Veon Bell expected to play in this game. There's a couple of like interesting storylines where AB if he plays, Le'Veon Bell if he plays. Both of them were on the Steelers. Now they're playing in the Super Bowl. There's that some other. St- 
other storylines to kind of come out of this. I saw that AB would get $750,000 if they win the Super Bowl, whether he plays or not. Wow. Um, Just based on an incentive wow. built into his contract. So here's a guy that was fucking... You know, I, I got I to throw this in there because this is actually crazy. Here's a guy that was traded, cut, suspended, frostbitten, remember his feet? Sued, lost custody battles, and now he ended up in the Super Bowl. My, it's incredible. Wait, wait, don't forget about the helmet issue. Don't forget about the helmet issue. Yeah. Dude, yeah, incredible. So, I mean, the storylines heading into this is good. It's good for the NFL, obviously, talking about it. Mahomes, Brady, um, you know, where you at kind of just leading into Super Bowl week with just the game now six days away, you know, getting pretty pumped for it. Last NFL game, though, kind of sad. No NFL yeah. this Sunday. Uh, at least we got to spend it hanging out, but definitely sad. Oh, choose here. Um. I mean, for me, just to touch on at least the Le'Veon Bell, Bell part, that doesn't mean too much to me whether he plays or not. I mean, last game they had – or I think the last two games they had – I'm looking at the stats now. Uh, Daryl Williams kind of is their leading back even because the fir- um, their first playoff game against the Browns, CEH was hurt. Last game against the Bills, he was back. Yeah, bro, I brought up Le'Veon Bell because he's out here fucking tweeting like, oh, he's so pumped to be in the Super Bowl and super blessed. I'm like, bro, you haven't done shit. I mean, I'll give him, I'll, I'll at least give him, the, as long as he's not saying he's to credit for it, which he's not, I think he can at least be excited about it. But I'll just say in terms of the game, I don't think it's too big of a difference because literally even with CEH back last week, they gave Williams 14 carries. They only gave CEH seven. And I think they have both of them over Le'Veon Bell and their depth chart. So I, I would expect Le'Veon Bell to like, you know, see like maybe a target or two in the passing game or like a rush or two maybe. But I, I got the Chiefs winning the game. I know we'll discuss it. A little more leading up to it, maybe get into like some score predictions and stuff like that. But for now, definitely got the Chiefs winning the game. I'm not a huge Brady hater like you, so I will say I will not be upset to see Tom Brady win the game. In fact, I'd almost think I'd think I'd rather see the Bucks win the game just because I think Mahomes has so many more Super Bowls in years to come, and I'm viewing it as like a LeBron thing where like even though I like LeBron a lot, I have nothing against Mahomes. Part of me sometimes is like, ah. You know, I rooted for LeBron against the Warriors, but like last year I would have been like, you know, no problem seeing the Heat win it. We've seen LeBron win a bunch, and I think we're going to see Mahomes win a bunch. So I'd have no problem with Brady winning, but I know you hate to hear that. I, I'm i actually livid on that, and I, I hope you left me enough time before this bell to get into this real quick. Because I don't know if you saw the Tony Romo comments, but I couldn't agree with this yeah, man okay. more. If Patrick Mahomes loses Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, Mahomes will never be able to surpass Brady as the GOAT. Not only said by... Tony Romo in a in a Zoom or whatever, but it was said by my guy Stephen A. Smith. Couldn't agree more here. Could not agree more. I agree. Like he needs to win this game. And if for all the people that are hoping Tom Brady can get surpassed by somebody, this is the guy. This is the guy that has a chance right here, right now. And you're going up against a guy in this game, biggest game of his career. Couldn't agree more. Here, a ton of people saying no. Here, seeing people like you saying, oh, he's going to play in a ton. No, right here, right now. Pat Mahomes knows this too. This is a massive game if he wants to be considered in the GOAT conversation. Love that Tony Romo said it. Love that some other people are saying it. This right here is crucial for guys like me. Mahomes needs to win this game. Needs to win this game. Dead ass. Because if Brady wins this game, for guys like me, it is over. It is over. Just You're going to have to swallow to everything and come on this bitch and say that Brady's the greatest ever. And I do not want to do that. I Just do not want to, to do say, that. When you say for guys like me, you're referring to people who 
refuse to acknowledge that Brady's the GOAT and are just praying Mahomes ends up being the GOAT so they don't have to say it's Brady. That's what you mean when you say guys like me, right? That was a little bit harsh. (laughs) You know, realistically, it's more of a, hey, man, if Brady wins, great for him. Really, good for him. Incredible. Like, it would be... It would completely just ruin everything for me. Like, it would. Because if you go and win seven Super Bowls and do it with a different team now and, like, all this shit, like, it's incredible, bro. But, but it is possible. It is certainly possible if Mahomes wins this game for him to not only catch him in that whole conversation, but to be right in there right now. Like, right now, bro. And he's 26. Like, what he's done. Like, so to me... It is, it, it, this is a thing where if he loses this game, bro, it's over with. Like, this is a huge game for Tom Brady and his legacy, right. too. You don't think well, Tom Brady me, knows this? Yeah, I'll, all right, let me respond to that because I agree with it to an extent. I think it will make it harder for him to ever be viewed as the GOAT because people that view Brady as the GOAT will always hang on to, like, what do you mean? He was in his prime. Tom beat him. Tom Brady beat him. And when he was 40, Whatever he is right now, 43 years old, 42 years old, Tom Brady beat him. So it will be hard for people to ever. Largest make. gap between two quarter starting quarterbacks in Super Bowl history in for terms sure. of age. It'll be harder to make the argument because people that stand firmly on the Brady side will just make that argument and be like, what do you mean? Tom Brady was the greatest ever. Beat Agreed. Him when he was out of his prime. Mahomes had all the weapons. Still Agreed. Beat him. But the flip side to that is like, this is extremely unlikely. But like, what if Mahomes wins seven Super Bowls and has way more regular season MVPs. Like, there's already, I'd say, very few people doubt that, that at the end of the day... Yes, I agree. Tom Brady, Tom Brady will be viewed as a more, like, skilled quarterback than Mahomes. Mahomes will probably be viewed as more skilled. So if, if Mahomes gets, say, even five say even five Super Bowls, maybe finishes with less, but gets, like, three, four regular season MVPs, like, I think there's absolutely an argument for him being the GOAT. For sure, but winning this one against Brady is going to be crucial like if you lose one if you lose to brady it's gonna it's gonna not ever be a thing like it's not like even for guys like me it will be a dumb argument to say pat mahomes is greater than tom brady if tom brady beats him this week that to me is set in stone if if tom brady wins this week i think that will be set in stone for a while i think if tom brady beats him this week it's a while before we can like legitimately talk a patrick mahomes goat conversation but if he wins like say he wins mvp then the next two years after this year and win Super Bowl both of those years. Yeah, like, but dude, this is the whole thing. This is the up. whole thing that I'm kind of talking about with Brady. It's accolades, right? Like, it's accolades. Yeah. It's the same shit that pissed me off with Skip where he's talking about Brady, but, like, he won't say the same shit about LeBron. It's like, bro, longevity. The same thing that, Le- like, yo, like, longevity stats for LeBron. It's the same shit for Brady. Yeah, it's the not, same exact shit. Because those make no sense. We're not bringing up skip arguments because that's just arguing lunacy. We can't do that. I get it, but like it's this. I'm saying like the stuff that I hear on it. It's like, bro, like what? Like, here's the thing, man. It's gonna come down to the, this matchup for sure, and it's gonna be, I think, epic. Like, it's literally gonna be epic. Yeah. It's gonna be something you remember, and you know, leading up to this week for sure. There's a bunch to get into about it. It will be hard to make the case. It, Brady fans and people who support Brady will make it very hard to ever make a case for Mahomes if Mahomes loses this game. But at the end of the day, if Mahomes, to me, in my personal opinion, if Mahomes ends up with, say, like two less Super Bowls than Brady's, but Brady has zero regular season MVPs and Mahomes walks away with like 
four? I think there's absolutely an argument. Yes, yes, but but if he loses that game and all that stuff goes into fruition, it's still, in my opinion, he can't pass him. He can't because he lost to him. Recency, recency bias is a very real thing, and I would agree with you right now. But the second, you know, Mahomes wins a Super Bowl next year and an MVP, people will go right back to talking. I'd agree with you. For the per- the time being, people would be like, no, I can't even talk about that. A year would go by, Mahomes would be great, and people would Yeah, but that's all, that's all shit that pissed me off with recency bias, bro. Because if Mahomes goes and wins this year and then wins another Super Bowl next year, he'll be the first to ever 3 P. And in my opinion, he's good GOAT then. Like, he's the GOAT right then if he could 3 P. You have an argument. I so. Not say the I whole recency bias bullshit with me, like, bro, it shit has to happen, like, and then it happens, and we could talk about it. Like, it's yeah. it's kind of the whole thing being a sports talk guy, but like, that's just that's what we got to do. I mean, what the fuck else do you want me to do? But you also have to talk about it while it's happening. True. Cause well, cause we'll get into it. When you said like, how do you feel about the NBA standings? I'd be like, can't talk about them. They aren't done. It's like, well, what? <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, you got to always come across and, and blackball me on the other side. Let's get into some other stories across the NFL, and then hopefully Duke swings by. He said around one, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I'll keep the buffer till about like one fifteen. Let's talk some Stafford. Yeah, I'll send him a, I'll send him a text. But yes, let's definitely talk some Stafford because I did want to get into this for sure. Uh, you get into it since you brought it up. What are your thoughts on uh, the whole Stafford thing? The trade was. Detroit Lions cop Jared Goff, a 2021 third-round pick, a 2020 first-round pick, a 2023 first-round pick for Matthew Stafford, who heads to the Rams. Big blockbuster trade in the NFL this weekend. First time two number four or one overall picks have been traded at the quarterback position. Makes it even more intriguing. Talked about the quarterback carousel potentially in the NFL this offseason, and this was the first domino to fall Rich, what are your thoughts on this trade we saw this weekend in the NFL? I'll make it pretty quick, and I'll, in classic fashion, give it an NBA comparison for my thoughts. So I saw Sean, I saw McVay say that they're not worried about who won the trade. They're worried about who wins the Super saw Bowl. That. And that's kind of my exact thoughts on it. It's like, to compare it to any NBA trade, whether it's the Porzingis one, or like I think a really good one is the Bucks trading for Drew Holiday. Did the Bucks overpay to get Drew Holiday? Absolutely. Was Drew Holiday what they needed? And if he pushes them to a championship, was it worth it? Absolutely. You don't care about who won the trade and like who gave up too much if the piece you're getting is like the piece you needed that kind of unlocks the puzzle and yep. gets you to the Super Bowl. So I'm not saying the Rams are my favorite to win the Super Bowl, but I think if you're, especially in the playoffs, even before the playoffs, if you're looking at the Rams and you're like, where can they improve? I mean, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup's a pretty good receiving core. They got filthy tight ends. They got a great defense. Like they needed a better quarterback they could trust in the postseason, give the ball to. And like, I, in my opinion, Matt Stafford's that. He's, I think, he's viewed as one of the most underrated quarterbacks just because he's been in Detroit with shitty coaches, shitty GMs, like people wasting his career away. So we'll see now how it looks on a better team. But to me, the Rams, yes, they overpaid, but I don't think it was a bad trade. I think it was worth it for what they needed. Well, time will tell if it gets them a Super Bowl. If they don't even make a Super Bowl, then it was a terrible trade. But I think on the surface right now, looking at it. Here's the thing. Here's the question I got to ask you before I give you my take on it. Is it a slam dunk in your opinion that the Rams with a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford? It's uh... It literally, I think it's tough for me to say any team in the NFL ever would be a slam dunk aside from like the Chiefs because it's just not like basketball where it's like, oh, they're the best team on paper. They so your answer is your answer is no. My, my answer is probably no, but I think it's hard to be on that level. Take I still a, don't think it's a bad trade. Take a listen to my guy Shannon Sharp, and then I'll uh, and then I'll give you a little bit of my take on it. Sure. 
Hey, Rich, you brought up a good... I have a problem with a lot of that. You, but, go ahead, respond. Go ahead, you can respond to it. Go ahead. I would say all of those numbers are due to him. Not solely due, like, obviously, he's responsible for him, too. But all of those numbers are him on the Lions, where people have agreed he's had terrible line in front of him, terrible coaches, terrible coordinators. Like, my simple argument would be, yes, all of those stats are correct, but replace Matthew Stafford with Jared Goff in their game against the Packers. Do they have a better chance to beat the Packers? Yes. I mean, like, it's as simple as that to me. Like, they improved through the trade. You can argue they overpaid, but my argument at the end of the day is, like, it doesn't matter if you overpaid if the guy takes you to the next step to where you need it to be. Okay, but which is – okay. shit for is if you could get Deshaun Watson, you probably should have got Deshaun Watson. Which is winning a Super Bowl, though. Which is winning a Super Bowl, right? And it, it's got to be a slam dunk. To me, they absolutely overpaid. I heard an interesting thing where you should never uh, feel like you overpaid to get out of an unhealthy relationship. The thing with Jared Goff and Sean McVay was not healthy. You take this into relationships in football or regular relationships. Got to get out of them if they're unhealthy, regardless of how much you got to pay. They mortgaged off a lot to get out of this thing with Jared Goff, bro. Highest dead cap hit, $22 million in history. So you're telling me Jared Goff is that bad? Like, 42 wins in four seasons? Been to a Super Bowl? Three playoff appearances? We get it his first year without Sean McVay was very bad, but... How much of an upgrade is Matt Stafford, that injury-ridden guy? The guy that, by the way, in the division that he's going to, he's a career 5-10-1 in that division. The dude has never had a top-10 defense except one year, 12 years he's been in the league. He finished 11-5. We all know the Rams' defense is good, so that helps him. He's also been in the league 12 years. You know how many times he's had a 100-yard rusher in 12 years? 12 times. The Rams had four 100-yard rushing games last year. This will help Matt Stafford. But what this trade indicates is that Matt Stafford is the Pat Mahomes, the whoever that's going to take the Rams directly into the Super Bowl as the favorite. I don't think it does that. It has them It has them third coming out of the NFC right now behind the Bucs and the Packers. I think that's even high. I don't think Matt Stafford is the guy you bring in, regardless of what he did with the Lions, we all know what their organization is, is that much better than Jared Goff, a guy that had you in the Super Bowl, a guy that consistently gets you in the playoffs in a very tough division. Matt Stafford, all the injuries, all the things that go on it, we'll see if he's able to get them the Super Bowl. This is what that trade was all about. If they don't win a Super Bowl, total bust. You don't have a first-round pick until potentially Joe Biden's out of his presidency spot. Like, the Rams have gone all-in on winning a Super Bowl with this team. They got a nice team, but it's going to rely on Matt Stafford. We'll see if he can do it. Dude's never won a playoff game. Never won a playoff game. We'll see. I would argue that's largely due to being on the Lions and not entirely his fault. But I would say, I don't think they're bringing in like, oh, like this is the guy, save the day, Mahomes. It's like, no, we, we rely on our defense. We rely on our run game. Like, what they need is a quarterback who... <laughs> 
I forget the exact play, but I remember specifically they didn't give Jared Goff the football at the end of the game and had no faith in him to actually win them the game. What they want is a quarterback who they could be like, game's on the line, we can give him the ball, and we don't think he's going to blow this game for us. Okay. And I think, I, like, I'll read something Chewy just said in their stat. He said, same as the Yankees trading uh, Chapman to the Cubs in 2016. Cubs gave up a ring. Cubs gave up Glaber Torres to get a closer, but won a ring, so it was worth it. So I agree with you. They overpaid. It's just I agree that he is an upgrade over Jared Goff and potentially enough of an upgrade when you have a good receiving core, a good run game, great defense. A comp- more competent quarterback could be all you need to win a Super Bowl. You know, it'll Rich, be ba- it'll be a bad trade if they don't. It, it's like Chewy says, it's very similar to Rivers with the Colts, but here's the thing. Matt Stafford, Stafford's, Matt Stafford's way, way younger. Way younger. It's not – it's similar where it gives you a better shot and no guarantee in that sense that Chewy said, but – my whole thing yeah. with this is th- we saw we saw that. LA do that. We saw LA do this with the Lakers and Anthony Davis. I saw this, right? They traded for Anthony Davis, win a championship. The LA Dodgers, they trade for Mookie Vets, win a championship. Now people are trying to tell me that this is the move to win a championship for the Raid. Trading for Matthew Stafford? I don't know. I'm not putting him in that category unless he does it and then he pays off everyone. Oh, all oh, 2020 hindsight, right? Nah, bro. Let's it's just look at the facts. And we'll see if he's able to do it on a better team. Everyone's like, oh, he's going to be rejuvenated. Okay, fine. We'll see. We'll see. But here's an interesting thing for me now, too. Let's switch out of this. Uh, I think, well, the last thing we'll say is I think the best comparison, at least to me, is the one I said about the Drew Holiday Bucks one because that's what fits it perfectly to me. It's like we're not bringing in a guy who it's going to be like take us there. We have like a glaring issue on our roster where everything else is really good. For the Bucks, it's like we need an elite defender that can shoot. Who do we have? The Rams, it was, we need a competent quarterback who we can trust to get the ball at the end of the game. Who can we get? They both overpaid to get their person, and if that individual person is not worth the cost, but to that team that has a specific need right there that's holding them back, I think it is worth it. Okay, well, let's get into this a little bit, because everyone's like, oh, wow, look, they sent Jared Goff to the Lions to die, and yeah, everyone's going to think that, right? Uh, But I did mention, 42 wins in four seasons, made it to a Super Bowl. Um, You know, a lot of people are crediting in in three playoffs. A lot of people are crediting that to Sean McVay. But I think people are sleeping on Jared Goff a little bit. I'm not saying he's an elite quarterback, but I think he's an average, above-average quarterback, a guy that can win you games. And I think the Lions have done a lot of good stuff in the in the coaching category, regardless of Dan K- Campbell and his kneecap comments. Uh, I think he has the opportunity to be okay. I think the guys he's brought in on his staff are going to be great. And I think that with these comments of Jared Goff, I'm just excited to be somewhere that I know that appreciates me. Well, here's the thing, bro. The Rams appreciated you enough to give you 134 mil over four years, and you weren't able to live up to those contract expectations. We talked about living up to the contract, and the relationship got bad. But I'm hoping that Jared Goff isn't a guy that winds up like Josh Rosen, a guy that winds up kind of sent off to die in an organization where he can't really flourish, and they're going to end up getting another guy in there. You think Jared Goff has the potential to do anything on the Lions? Can the Lions be anything with Jared Goff? very interesting for me i saw Scheffner, whoever report that like they didn't view him as like a throw-in or filler like they wanted him and want to move forward with him it's just i don't know my things do you trust the lions to finally put a good roster together because there's no one that's convincing me jared goff is a better option than stafford right now obviously because they had to or they got picks for taking on Goff and getting rid of stafford so it's like obviously they're going to use those picks to to improve elsewhere, but it's it's tough for me to see J- Goff being their guy and them having any success in the next few years unless their front office makes some 
competent picks and fields a really good roster for a while. Like in my eyes, granted, I haven't, you know, a lot of my like in-depth football following has been like the last like four or five years and not like so much 10 years back. But for most of my time watching, I'm, I'm under the assumption that Matthew Stafford was what was making the Detroit Lions passable and a good team. Like, of course, they had other good players, lots of people on your football team, but like Matthew Stafford was the main guy. Like golf's a step back from that. So I don't see them having much success the next few years, but I guess we'll see what they do with their load of picks. And obviously they made the trade, I'd imagine, largely for those picks. So it'll come down to what they do with those. Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to be yet to be seen. I just think that Jared Goff has the potential to be a guy that is a little bit better than people are going to give him credit for. And yeah, I get it. Stafford with the Lions definitely not lived up to expectations. But here's my thing. If we just came off it, like if Stafford doesn't win a Super Bowl at the Rams and Jared Goff goes there and plays a little better than Stafford ever did for his 12 years, I mean, shit, bro. This, you might wind up losing this trade if you're the Rams talking about not having. So this is, this is in my opinion, we'll see. If Jared Goff can go in there, win a little more games, division that, you know, tends to be up in the air minus the Packers, like we'll see. We'll see what's good with the Lions, their new staff, a lot of new pieces. You talked about picks. They got number six. I mean, I think it was a really low-ranked job for me when we talked about the head coaching vacancies, but I do think now getting Jared Goff makes that a little bit more intriguing for maybe some other guys to want to come there and, and, you know, win some games. Like, they're trying to rebuild the culture there, and it has to start somewhere, bro. Like, the Lions aren't going to be trash for the next – 100 years hopefully it's got to change it so you know what i'm saying so maybe jared goff's the spark I, I think he might be and it sounds kind of crazy but he winds up going there in the trade with some picks too like you said uh I'd we'll say see there's like a 75 percent chance the rams end up losing this trade i'd say the teams that give the teams that trade for the better player in my mind usually end up losing the trade because they give away so much more to get the better player and the teams that are trading a lot to get a good player are usually in like the championship or bust Super Bowl or bust conversation. And more times than not, they're not going to win a championship because most teams can't. So I'd say there's like a 75% chance we get five years down the line and we're like, wow, that was an awful trade. And like they don't end up winning a Super Bowl because it's more likely they don't win a Super Bowl. My argument is solely, I think this is the kind of move you had to make to take yourself that next step forward. And to me, the only reason I'd say like that was a bad trade is could you have potentially just given two more picks and gotten Deshaun Watson? Because I would have done that if you could. <laughs> yeah, for real. It does bigger up the question uh, I had in the post today. How many first-rounders is uh, Deshaun Watson going to be included in? It's got to be at least five. I was telling my brother, like, over under five? Like, it's got to be over five. Got to be over five. Right. Yeah, uh, it's got, I guess it depends what other players are included in that deal and how it looks, but, like, there's no way it's less than four firsts. Uh, let's get into that a little bit though, that conversation. And if you got to get out of here, you can give me the heads up and go whenever, but, uh, I'm trying to get Duke says he's on the way home to, from the gym. So I'm trying to stick around hopefully long enough to get him to pop in here. Cause I did want to talk to him about the Eagles and some other stuff. So if you got to bounce, don't worry about it. But until then I'm kind of just going through some topics and, and covering some stuff, yeah. but, yeah. uh, obviously what team Deshaun Watson gets traded to is obviously one of the biggest off season stories. In the NFL, um, you know, they bring in the the GM and the head coach have press conferences and talk about, you know, we don't want, there's no way we want to get rid of him. Um, you know, the head coach, I didn't come here to not have Deshaun Watson and Deshaun Watson doubles down and goes onto his social media accounts and removes everything's Texans related. 
He says, for football inqu- uh, football inquiries, contact his agent. For marketing inquiries, contact at Answer NYC. I mean, this dude's done, bro. There's no way in hell that he's going to be back on the team. So, I said this with RJ. The Giants is an interesting one for me. Um, I don't think we'll be able to trade for Deshaun Watson because, in my opinion, we would have to give up Saquon in that deal, and that'd be tough for me. But I still would potentially do that. Uh, a more interesting one for me, based on how this is kind of going with Deshaun, um, is J.J. Watt potentially playing his last game and maybe the Giants scooping him in a trade. But in sticking directly with Deshaun Watson here, um, I think the most interesting fact of all this, Rich, is the fact that he has a no trading clause and he can pretty much veto any trade and how hardball this is going to get between the, the them and the Texans because they can define, uh, find him up to 95000 for missing minicamp. He's fined 50000 per day each week of training camp. 620000 for each preseason game missed. If he retires, they collect 21.6. Things he's talked about doing, being hardball if he's not getting out of there for a trade. And then you look at DeAndre Hopkins, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, George Springer, Jerry Cole, now possibly Deshaun Watson. It's been a tough time for Houston sports, man. Deshaun Watson's going to be out the door. It's just a matter of where he goes. You got a place that is best for him, suited for him. I mean, I think he said, I don't know if this has changed in the last few days, but I think he said he's, I don't remember if it was, he's open to anywhere or like there's very few places he's not open to. He said something basically saying like he's super open-minded about where his next team is. Like he's not going to have a list of like, these are my three teams. And there's also been some reports. I know they talked about it on like first take and some other shows saying like he could make this really ugly for the Texans. So whether he has some like dirt on that or like how they've been shitty as an organization, I don't know. I'm going to assume that's true in some way and they're going to be trying to get him out of there and work with him a little because, I mean, it's just a bad look for any any team when you have like a franchise, like maybe top, top I, I don't know, football is tough to rank with all the positions, but like, you know, top 30, 15 type of guy on your team where you're treating him like shit and showing other players like how you treat your franchise guy. Like teams don't want to do that. So I think they get him out of there. In terms of the best spot, I mean, yeah, Giants. Giants would be fun for you guys. I'm not. I wouldn't be against seeing that. That would be fun. But oh man, I'm trying to think off the top of my head where it'd be the most fun for me to see him in. I don't want to see him in the Pats. I don't think that would happen though. Um, I mean, part of me, part of me, the other side is thinking like Jets a little bit. I know that's been a lot of the talk, but like, not that I like want the Jets to be like this great team, but it's like it's one of those teams where you've seen them be bad for so long and so long of watching them where it's like, yeah, it'd be cool to see them get Deshaun Watson, see what they could do. Like they're probably still not like maybe not playoff contenders even right away, but like they had a decent receiving core last year, even though they weren't bad names. They had a decent defense when they weren't trying to let the Raiders win the game. <laughs> so like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, th- I guess the Jets would be my pick, but I, I, I Deshaun Watson might be my favorite play. Him and Hopkins were my two favorite players. I loved watching the Texans when they were there, so I'll be rooting for him wherever he goes. I think it's the Jets, too, and if it does end up being the Jets and the Giants can't trade for J.J. Watt, who knows? I might be joining Barry out there in the other New York team, but just for whoever gets Deshaun Watson, bro, he averaged 301.4 pass yards and completed 70.2% of his passes in 2020. He became the second QB in NFL history to average 300 passing yards while completing at least 70% of his passes in a single season, Drew Brees, in 2011. Saints finished 13 and 3, Texans finished 4 and 12. Um he was also had 104 touchdowns and 17 rushing touchdowns. He's the only player in NFL history with at least 100 t- 
touchdown passes and 15 touchdowns in his first four seasons. You said fit top 15, 30 player. Bro, this dude's a top five player in the NFL, no doubt. No doubt about it. And whoever gets him is instantly going to have a spark on offense. I mean, no doubt about it. And and if you're a Texans fan, if you're a fan of oh, – I talked about all the peop, uh, players that have left the, left the Houston area in terms of athletes. This has been tough, dude. This has been tough. If you're a fan of the Texans, you might not be good for a long time, depending on how this trade shakes out. You better hope you get a guy like Saquon Bar- Barkley back in the trade because otherwise, shit, man, this could be really bad for the Texans long-term as well. Really feel bad for the new head coach there and Do- David Coley, who's basically losing the best player they've ever had before he even gets yeah. to coach a game. No, I feel bad for him too. I think you basically just have to – I think this is going to be one of the trades where, yeah, if you could get a good player back, that's great, but you almost don't even care about the players you're getting back. Like They're not going to be competitive soon like you're literally just saying like get me as many picks as we possibly can and hope our new gm new coach can kind of write the ship over time but it, yeah it's gonna be an ugly next few years for them i'd imagine yeah i agree um i don't know i'm trying to wait for duke but i don't know what he's doing so i'm kind of just like rolling through some stuff like i said maybe i do my oh. reads or breaks but i don't know if you gotta go whatever i saw this though which is like this is actually this leads it oh duke's here let's go yes Hey, Andrew. What's good, Duke? Love it. Duke's here. Love it. Rich is here. Love this, dude. What's good? How you doing? Is it snowing down there? Uh, It snowed like two nights ago. We got like a couple inches. Oh, it's dumping snow here. Yeah, we're getting some snow up here. When they get snow down there, it's like, oh, damn. Yeah, you got a good amount. Damn. Uh, nobody drives down there when they get snow. So you're probably the only one out on the roads, literally. All the, all the Virginia plates and Southern plates ain't out there. Oh, yeah, you're getting some over there for sure, Rich. Uh, what's good, dude? How you doing, all right? Hanging in there, bro. Yeah, I'm doing all right. Miss you, bro. I've been mixing up a little bit with Rich on the sports takes today. Covered a lot of them, but uh, let's see. I want to get some of your takes for sure, but before we get into any of the major stuff, can you just tell me what your thoughts are on the Eagles and their hiring? Like, just, just – I know you're a diehard fan, but just – just non-biased here. Like, was that not the dumbest opening press conference you've ever heard? And was that not really concerning for you as a fan of this team? Like, please, just tell me. I need to know. Yeah, it was definitely concerning hearing that. But at the same time, you got to think, like, it's his first time being a head coach. The nerves that come with that. Yeah. But in the long run, like you said, though, like, you got to be a little bit worried about it. Like he sounded like Biden up there, just like stuttering every five seconds, honestly. I had no idea what he was going to say next. But he had, he had it written out. Yeah, he which I thought was bad, yeah. Like, he kept looking down. Like, yeah. Like, had no idea. I saw that. I mean, as a fan, I'm excited to see what he can do because he's like an offensive side of the ball. I mean, he seems to be keeping Carson around, so we'll see how that works out. But uh, well, I, I, I can't really say too much until something happens, you know. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just leading off of that a little bit, though, he talked about in that press conference how he, you have two, you know, good or I, I forgot the exact quote, but it was like he you have two quarterbacks where a lot of teams don't. Um, I thought that was interesting because I've been hearing a lot of take on this. I think Joy Taylor said it best. Like saying you have two quarterbacks is never a good situation in the NFL. Like just look around the NFL. Like teams that have two quarterbacks never seems to be a good situation. How do you see this thing kind of shaking out? Like. Is Carson Wentz going to be the guy come week one? Is he going to get moved like the things we talked about? Is he – they're going to be a two – two, I mean, what? how is this shaking out, bro? 
Like if you're I as a fan, that, as a fan, who do you want to see start right now? If I if you had to put right now, who do you want to start? I mean, I'm gonna go with Carson Wentz just because of who he is and what he's done for us. But I I I see Carson Wentz starting week one. I think the reason why we went and got a new coach. I mean, the reason why we hired fired Doug for that stupid play call he did like trans game or whatever his Washington game. Um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm just excited for it. I I I think he's gonna bring a lot of new offensive play style. What I will say, like, yeah, what have, I will. We do have two quarterbacks, man. We do have a guy that's fast. We have a guy that's mobile. Yeah, we have a guy that can stay in the pocket and throw the ball. Even though, yeah, he had a bad season this year. I do blame it on Jadavion Clowney. Still, I'll say it to the day I die. Carson Wentz will never be the same since that hit in the playoffs last year. But I, I think it's gonna be Carson Wentz week one. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I agree. Uh. It'll come down to that coach for sure. And, like, we've seen it a little bit, even with a guy like Joe Judge. Like, oh, shit, nobody knows. Like, dude, I love this guy. And, like, nobody knows this guy. He could come out of nowhere and be fantastic, and that'd be really good for you. I'm hoping that's the case, but I, I just well, – what I've been seeing a little bit and some of the things he's been saying, I'm just a little bit worried, hoping he's not a puppet for what is they're talking about, a really um, power-hungry ownership organization there in Philly. And I just hope it doesn't kind of spiral out of control for them, just being so close and obviously winning a Super Bowl – you know, four or five years back now, whatever it was, we we were there during that run watching their games. Uh, the thing for me, I think the most that like surprised me the most was the fact that we kind of just let Deuce Staley go. He's been there for like all of this. Yeah, he, I mean, he was in the he was in the works for the head coach job. I mean, he's a great running backs coach. Like everyone loves him. Now he's just to be gone. Like we're not we're not gonna keep him. Yeah, Rich, guess where Deuce Staley's at now? Lions talked about them having a really good coaching staff. We did talk about that trade, Rich. Or I'm sorry, Duke. Just before you got in, I did want to get your thoughts on that because I was getting into it with Rich. Hopefully, he gets off mute here and he'll get in the conversation. But Stafford and Golf, like a blockbuster trade, kind of wild. Here's my take on it, though. It's it's Super Bowl or bust, right for the Rams. Like that's what they're saying. And in my opinion. I don't think Stafford's going to be having them to be a Super Bowl uh, favorite. Like, is Stafford that much better than Jared Goff, a guy that had you in the Super Bowl, a guy that's been to three uh, playoffs, and a guy that's won 42 games in four seasons as a starting quarterback? I don't know. So my take on it is if Stafford doesn't win for the Rams, like, you you gave up way too much, and that's what it is. They're all in to win. I don't think they do. And Goff goes to the Lions to die, but is that necessarily the case? We see we uh, Deuce Staley goes there, talked about it with Rich, all the run uh, coaches that he's brought in. Dan Campbell, kneecapping shit is crazy, but I think they got some really good cultures th- uh, shifts going on in Detroit. I think Jared Goff has slept on, and I think if he goes there and wins games and makes a playoff, you end up looking way better than Matt Stafford, a guy who's been there twelve years and couldn't do anything. So this actually wound up being a really interesting trade for me. Wanted to get your uh, thoughts on it on both sides, and we'll kind of hash it up a little bit here. Well, it's funny, I was watching uh, Skip and Shannon this morning, Shannon Sharp came out saying that this could be an opportunity for Stafford to get in the MVP caliber talk, and Saw it's that. like, how, do you, how can you say something like that when, like, he really hasn't proven to be a great quarterback, yeah, he's he hasn't been on a great team his whole career, who has he really had to throw to, and this and that, but, like, if you look at it, I mean, I'm not, I've never been a great, or a big fan of Jared Goff at all, like, I've, I've never thought he'd been a good quarterback, I mean, like I said, he got him to the Super Bowl, which is what you want out of a quarterback, I mean, I, I think... With the weapons that the Rams do have, I think Stafford can do well there because he does have a gun, dude. He has an arm that, like, no one – he really hasn't been able to throw, like, in the past couple of years to anyone. I mean, you have Marvin Jones Jr., but then again, you have a, you always have a guy that's above him who he's always throwing, like Kenny Galladay. He's always throwing the ball more to him. I mean, with the guy like – with guys like Cup and Woods that can get down the field, 
down the slot. I think it's going to be a lot more opportunity for them to throw the ball. And then, like you said, you have Cam Akers there too. Yeah, no, they haven't. No, that's the thing, man. They got the Rams have an incredible team, incredible defense, everything surrounded. But here's my take on it: they're putting everything in to win a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford. Like, not any of these other guys that are on the market. Not Sean Watson, who's potentially on the market. Matt Stafford, they said, is their guy that can take them to a Super Bowl and win them a Super Bowl. Do you think that's a valid take, Sean McVay? Saying, I just don't think that. I don't think you're upgrading that much. Like Matt Stafford's been in a bad situation. He's an incredible career. I don't really think you have to that much, to be honest. Like, Goff has proven to be not a great, maybe a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, and he really hasn't done that much. Like, if you bring a guy like Stafford in there who who wants to prove himself, you know what I mean? He wants to be a good quarterback. He wants to be the people, the guy that people talk about. And so, like, if you're going to give him an opportunity to go to the Rams, where you've already gone to the Super Bowl with a guy like Goff, like, I think, yeah, it's an opportunity for them to win now. Honestly, yeah. yeah. But it is, it is a great trade for the Detroit Lions, too, to get all those picks. Because I do, I mean... I think golf can do okay in Detroit if he can. I mean, they have a great, great draft. Pick this is my this is my question for uh, Rich, and then I'm gonna let Rich talk. But is it a slam dunk that the Rams win a Super Bowl with Matt Stafford? My response to that was like, no, because I'm not gonna say any team is like guaranteed to win a Super Bowl in the NFL unless you're the Chiefs. But I almost agree. I think I do agree with Duke on everything he said. Great trade for the Lions. Good trade for the Rams. Could end up. We could be four years down the line and come back to this and be like. Awful trade for the Rams. They fucked up really bad if they don't win a Super Bowl. But my reason, I know I already said it to you, Seg, but just to say it to Duke, my reason I call this a good trade for the Rams is I view it as the same as the Holiday trade for the Bucks. They overpaid huge to get Drew Holiday. They gave up four first-round picks. Drew Holiday, yeah. is, it's good. He's not worth four first-round picks. But for a team that needs another ball handler, needs another shooter, needs another perimeter defender, yeah. he's worth four first-round picks if he gets them to the next level. So, like, on the surface, if you just look at him, like, no, Stafford probably isn't worth this deal. But when you take into context, the team is really good everywhere, and their biggest weakness was not having a quarterback they could give the ball to at the end of the game and think he'd get them there, then I think it's a good trade for them. It has the potential since they gave up so much to go terribly, but right now I think they did what they had to do to get their team to the next level. And I'm glad you brought that up again because I didn't even hash it out with you before, but this is my whole thing on the Bucks, bro. I told you that I thought the Bucks were going to slip up a little bit, and they have. And this whole thing of bringing in Drew Holiday was supposed to be to elevate them, and it kind of hasn't yet. We still have to see. But that's the whole thing, thing for me with Matthew Stafford. We're all sitting here like, yeah, man, they top three favorite to come out of the NFC. Sixth best uh, chance to win a Super Bowl. Bro, is that really what it, Matthew Stafford brings? Like, I know the team is incredible, but, like, is I mean, a guy that's not won a single playoff game his entire career, he's going to win you a Super Bowl. Uh, and, and he's 5-10-1 in that division, the division that's really tough, by the way. Question. Let me ask you one que- or two questions. Is do you think? I mean, it's fine if you say no, but do you think Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Jared Goff? At yes, marginal. Yes. Okay. They were one. The Rams were one of the eight last standing teams this year. Is it crazy to say they just got two spots better? Like, I don't. I don't think that's crazy. I would definitely put them. Yes, in the top six right now. but I think that's where you're misunderstanding me. I'm not arguing that Matt Stafford isn't better than Jared Goff, but what I am arguing is there's a ton of other guys on the market. You talked about getting a guy to get you to the Super Bowl. You picked that guy. A guy that's won zero playoff games. A guy that has a lot of incredible accolades, but hasn't really done anything to get to a Super Bowl. They're talking about now winning a Super Bowl because of the trade. Definitely a big-time trade in the NFL for sure. I think it shakes up a little bit more interesting on the on the Lions side. Um, just a I mean, quick- like I said earlier, dude, it's kind of tough to like look at his record and be like, oh, he's so bad in the playoffs when he literally was on the Lions. Yeah, Lions suck. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, I agree. But I think that that some of the stuff in terms of like winning and getting your team and, and making the playoffs, it, regardless of how bad your team is, like shit, the Giants have been doing that with Eli for his entire career. And I think that stuff does matter, man. Like if you don't have the best team, you still can win games if you're a top elite quarterback in this league. Matt Stafford has tried to do that. And I guess we can blame it a lot on the Lions, but I think it will be interesting to see how he does with the Rams. Uh, I'll, always, I'll always respect the team making a move and taking a risk to improve an area they need to improve rather than crossing their fingers and being like, oh, hopefully this that didn't work last year works. Like, the Bucks were running it into the ground. Like, fuck, even if it doesn't work with Drew Holiday, like, at least you acknowledge the weakness of your team and, like, tried to make it better. And I think that's the same thing for the Rams. Like, if it doesn't work, that sucks. You lost the trade, but, like, you gave it your best shot. You didn't just sit there and be like, oh, hopefully golf gets better this year. Yeah, it wasn't great at all. Uh, Duke, you got any thoughts on if Deshaun Watson is going to end up at a certain spot? I mean, there's a lot of talks about him going to the Jets. I mean, he's, he's, I guess he came out and said he'd be the Jets or Dolphins, right? That's where he wants to go. Uh yeah, I think it's I think it's just a matter of a point now where he wants to go anywhere besides the Texans. Like he's out. Like he is not going to play for the Texans and it's a matter of wherever he can kind of land via trade. He has a he has a uh no trade clause so he can veto any trade. It, it it provides a lot of intrigue into this whole situation. Um but I do think you're right on something where in my opinion the most fun and the best situation for him is the Jets. Like it is going to be the Jets and if he can get to the Jets, that's going to be dope for Jets fans. Yeah, no, for sure. They're also talking about what's his name from Chicago going over the Jets, too, if Deshaun goes. So that'd be kind of lethal. Um, wide receiver. Oh, Allen Robinson to the Jets? Yeah. And they and they have the second – well, yeah, they'll probably lose the second pick if they trade for Deshaun. But, yeah. Um, no, definitely interesting. You'd be hyped for Barry guys for real. Um, It'd just be nice to see the Jets actually do something for once, like not be the laughing stock of the NFL. That's exactly what Rich said, yeah, and I think that's a good point for sure. Like, I'm definitely, obviously, a Jets hater in a way because I'm a Giants fan, but if the Jets get Deshaun Watson, like, I might jump ship. Uh, I did want to get a couple. I did want to get a couple of your takes though on it's Super Bowl week. It's Super Bowl week. Let's catch up a little bit. I, I haven't talked to you since the playoffs have been ripping. Brady gets into his tenth Super Bowl. There's talks of him being compared to LeBron. There's talks of him being the GOAT. There's talks of all kinds of Brady, Mahomes, baby GOAT, master GOAT. I mean, there's a whole ton ton of stuff to get into this. Um, I just want to read this stat, and then I want you to kind of give me a little bit of an analysis on what you got heading into Super Bowl week. Most playoff games with three-plus passing TDs and zero interceptions. You guys ready for this? Tom Brady has six, 44 total starts. Aaron Rodgers has five, 20 total starts. Joe Montana has four, 23 total starts. Patrick Mahomes has four, seven total starts. My whole thing with Brady is we call him the GOAT because of his achievements, because of his accolades. We never are going to be able to call this man the GOAT because he's the GOAT. Pat Mahomes has a chance to actually get into that conversation and I think Tony Romo said it best this week. This game right here is the biggest game of Pat Mahomes' career. If that's what he's all about, is getting into that conversation. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with kind of all the stuff leading into this game? All the hype around Brady? They're the reason they're in the Super Bowl. I don't think that's the case. I think there's a ton of stuff to get into, obviously, with this. But just mainly where you at with Chiefs, Bucks, Super Bowl this Sunday. 
February 7th, I believe. I mean, I'm excited for the matchup. Obviously, I wanted the Bills to move on because Mike had them win the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's kind of, what's the word? Given, uh, given that the Patriots are going to win, be back in the Super Bowl again. I mean, is, is the whole goat, little goat, baby goat, whatever you want to call it. Like, yeah, I guess this is really it. Like, Mahomes, they've been saying ever since he got drafted that he's going to be the next big thing. And, like, he's literally proven that he is. So, if he can go out there and beat Brady, yeah, I mean, that's the that's the goal, obviously, to get your second Super Bowl and keep adding those rings because that's what, like you said, I mean, Tom Brady, it's all about his accolades. It's Super Bowl rings and this and that. And if, if Mahomes can get there, there's no no like debate of if he is or not. So I agree. Maybe I think I think the – me and Rich were kind of hashing it a little bit, but I think this is the thing. Like, if he loses this one, like if Mahomes loses to Brady and then goes on and wins five Super Bowls and four MVPs, to me it's not going to matter. You're still going to be below Brady. You're going to be below Brady because you lost to him head-to-head when you had a chance to beat him. This is the LeBron MJ. You don't think so? No, I don't think I mean, you're going to say that about Eli, though? Like, Eli beat him. And we don't call him the greatest of all time? Yeah, no, I, I agree. But, like, that's my whole thing is, like, he's not in the conversation. Like, the Nick Foles beat him. I mean, he's not I in the conversation. Him. This dude is. So if you, go, if you go up and... You gotta be beat the great to be the great, right? Yeah, that makes sense. But at the same time, like he's what three or four years into his career, he already has a potential of two Super Bowls if he wins this weekend. Like I honestly think it's three or four MVPs, like you said, and a couple more Super Bowls. Yeah, he's right there, man. Like I don't care if he loses to Brady this week, and I really don't. Like, all right, if if you can lose to Brady and then still put up better numbers in your whole career and get those accolades that he has. Yeah, you lost to the greatest of all time, but you're now the greatest of all time. Yes, like, but I, and I want Rich to respond. Said it a little. I want Rich to respond, but go ahead. I think you said that he had, uh, like, Brady has all the accolades, and it's like, yeah, he definitely does, and right now that makes him the GOAT, but what if Mahomes gets just as many accolades in terms of championships but also has more MVPs in the regular season, which Brady could never get? Because then you're – Brady is the most winningest quarterback while also being one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen. Mahomes could be the best play-wise quarterback we've ever seen and not touch Brady's Super Bowls and be like one, two, or three behind, and I think still be in the conversation for the GOAT just because of like how much more individually he might carry a team, whereas Brady had some I'm not saying he was like a system quarterback, but he had some really Yes, really yeah. Good my knocks on him. Yeah, my knocks on him. But here's my question to Duke and it's kind of what you said to me, Rich. Like the whole thing is now if you if you're a fan of Brady and the GOAT of Brady, right? If Brady wins this game you will forever be able to say to guys like me, to Mahomes guys, hey man, no way. Brady beat you head to head, way out of the prime of his career, all this shit. That to me is going to matter. So like this game is the game in which if Brady wins this, it's a wrap, bro. I'll it is it a wrap, done deal. No matter what Mahomes does, if Brady wins this game, I don't think he can be passed. I'll At least by way. not by Mahomes unless another guy comes along. I mean, in shit. 2009. LeBron and Kobe should have played in the finals. LeBron lost to the Magic. Um, didn't have as good as a series as he should have. People shit on him for it, but whatever. We got robbed from the Kobe-LeBron thing. Kobe, almost 100% if LeBron made it there, was beating LeBron that year. The Lakers were the way better team. That would have made zero difference to me in terms of Kobe being a better player than LeBron in the long run. Because it's like, dude, we, we see we see what this is. Like Le- Kobe's got the better team right now. Like LeBron's still coming up. Like LeBron's going to get his later down the line. Like I'm not going to 
I think I agree with you in terms of like people that feel true to that will use that as their argument. Like, nope, he beat Brady. Like Brady beat him in, in his when he was way past his prime. Brady's better, but like I think there's more of an argument than that overall. People will use that as the only argument, but I think there's a lot more to get into. I think you got to look at the era too. I mean, you got to think like Brady's been around for almost what twenty years already, and just starting coming through. So it's like the era of like the generations. Yeah, Tom Brady could be the goat of our. You know what I mean? First yep. twenty-five years of watching football, but like. Something he's got to retire, you know. Like it's gonna happen. Someone coming up is gonna be the next big guy. Just like when MJ retired, LeBron's in that. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's always that next big guy, or big, next big name that like gonna have to like try to reach the potential. Yeah, I agree. But yeah. I think that's the whole thing. Is like if you can even get into that conversation, like it's rare air. So like even to have a guy come along that could get potentially into Tom Brady's conversation after Mahomes to me is is slim to none potentially. Like we might never see it again. So the even if it does happen, catching Tom Brady, like being the being the next guy in the NFL, it could be Tom Brady. You still have to get to where he got to, which is way the fuck up here, bro. Like you can't just win one Super Bowl and be up to Tom Brady. Like so. The thing with me, the thing ahead. with me too, is like you got to look at like the rosters, man. Like, like look at look at Mahomes' roster he came into as a starting quarterback or a rookie quarterback. Like, there's already all-stars, you know, like pro bowlers on that team. Like, Brady came into a system where, like, he literally had to turn that program around. Like, he, he did. His first year starting, won a Super Bowl. You know, like, if, if Mahomes can keep on that track, I, I, I do believe that he can surpass him. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting for sure. It'll definitely be a good game. Not sure I'm going to be able to catch you on here for any picks. Who you got winning the game, Duke? Um, I mean, I called the Bucks going all the way. When we, when we did this last time, I mean, you can't go against the Chiefs because that offense is so good. But I just want to see Brady do it again. And I really do. Just because, like, the whole idea of it being in Tampa, he moved to Tampa, traded teams for this reason, like, got Gronk back. I think it would just be, like, a crazy story. And the NFL will make a lot of money off of it. Yeah, I agree. Wins. I think you're right out of the money with that. That girl said today. Yeah. <laughs> that was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, no, I agree. Some girl in my work suggested everything was rigged. She said, "It if is." You understand business at all? You know the, the you know the buck. If you went to business school, you already know the Buccaneers won or something. Stupid. It's like, I'm pretty sure Patrick Mahomes brings in a comparable amount of money. To yeah. Brady. That's people n- like Patrick Mahomes. I think there's some some very valid points to be made on some of the stuff that goes on with this, but I do not think the NFL is rigged. Um, and uh, Tom Brady. I think there's a potential here for him to this to look pretty ugly for Brady. And if it does, and that's the storyline coming into the Monday afterwards that we're talking about, I talked about it, man. I don't think it's legacy changing, but I think it does matter. Like, he made it there. But, like, if you get blown out in the Super Bowl and you're not looking good and throwing picks and, and you're getting outplayed by Mahomes, I get it. It's You're not expected to outplay Mahomes. The only way this is going to be good is if Brady wins it and looks incredible and, and like, it's not going to be good any other way. Like if he throws, if he throws four picks and loses it for him, that's bad. But if they just get blown out and like they're playing from behind the whole game, he has one, maybe two picks. It's like I don't know. To me, it's like the same as like again Le- LeBron reference, but like him getting swept by the Warriors or like actually they got one, but like or getting swept by the Spurs early on. It's just kind of like yeah, man, they had the better team. I don't know. Unless he like loses the game for him, that's one thing. But if they just lose, I, I, I mean, he threw three bad. against the Packers, didn't he? Yeah, he did. he did. Oh, yeah. And it depends. I feel like you can't even say just the number of picks. That was probably wrong on my part, too. It's just like the overall performance. Yeah, how it looks. let's the watch the game. Say, though, is I feel like a lot of our argument on this, going back before Duke came here in this, it's like 
a lot of it's almost like assuming this is Brady's last Super Bowl where if we'd been doing that the last two years, we would have been wrong every single time. So yeah, like, this is it. I think if Brady stays like two or three more years. Yeah, I think even if he loses, he's back. Not, I'm not saying back in the Super Bowl, but he's back playing next year, I think. And like, who knows? Could make another one. So I don't know. A lot, story to be told still. Yeah, we'll see. Let's get out of here on chopping it up on some NBA with Dukes and then we'll bounce. But Duke, before we chop up a little of the NBA, I, I wanted to touch on this because you're probably my soccer guy. Do you have any of an update on this? Um, I saw the MLS was going to start their regular season right around April 3rd, but then they announced that they've told teams, leagues, whatever, that there's a potential for a lockout, potentially first in MLS history. Um, I don't know how much you know about it. I know you're more into the soccer than me. Um, Like, you see there being a lockout in the MLS. I saw that the MLS season starts April 3rd if they were to do it, and then, like, the, the finals in November something. That's a long-ass fucking season, dude. I did not know it was that long. So, any concerns about the MLS being now what's going to be the latest professional sports league to try and get up and going in the midst of a pandemic again? I mean, all sports leagues have been trying to do it, but you got you got hopes that the MLS is able to, or are you seeing a lockout? I mean, you always got to hope for it just because of like the whole national team stuff that's going on. Like you always want your players playing and getting better. But a lot of our national players right now are actually overseas, which is pretty awesome to talk about. Um, they're actually doing really well. I really, I mean, I don't really know too much about it. I follow the European Premier League a lot more than the MLS, anything like that. So, um, I mean, I, I can only hope for the MLS to figure it out, like I said, because we got a World Cup coming up in, what, next year, and then we got a, we want a 2020, yeah, 2022, and then we got a World Cup coming in 2026 to America. So, yeah, got to get our players ready. You got to get our players ready to win some titles here. So, I don't know. I mean, I, like I said, I hope, I hope the MLS figures it out because they got some players over there that we definitely need playing. True. All right, let's chop it up on some NBA. I'm sure Rich will make it back in for a little bit of this, but he's my I'm NBA guy. Last night, USA won 7 nothing last night. Nice. Hell no, I didn't see that. Um, I did see Russ win last night, though. And the Wizards, they're probably like the worst team in the NBA, but I think Russ is getting shit on way too hard. Um, you know, they're... It'll be tough for them to make the play-in, but I think they have a shot. I think if Russ is playing like that and Brad Beal stays on the team, they'll be healthy. I don't think he gets traded. Um, You know, the Wizards, they had a lot of guys out too, and they got banged by COVID. So, like, let's wait and see. But to me, it was more intriguing to see that Nets performance. To them giving up 149, them being the worst defensive rated in the uh, league in in the whole NBA. And also, the Rockets now being the first defensive rated in the NBA. Very telling for me. And it has to be brought up. It has to be brought up, in my opinion. So, I asked Rich this. I'm going to ask you. Did that game last night have you feeling like the Wizards can make a little bit of a comeback towards the playoff push in the East? Something that a lot of us, including the NBA community, thought would be a thing. Or are you more on the side that the Nets are in some serious trouble on the defensive side of the ball? And in my opinion, they're not not getting past the first round They'll win a first-round series in the playoffs, and that'll be it. Like, they ain't going to win a second-round series with that type of defense unless they can get some more players. That's my take on it, bro. They're, they're not going to give up. I've, I've been really against it, honestly. Like, I just – we had a group chat with our, Richards in our fantasy group chat, and I kind of went out there. I was like, I really don't think this is going to work. Like, they have no other depth besides these three guys. I mean, yeah, the players that they have, like Jeff Green is stepping up and DeAndre Jordan is stepping up. But then again, you got to look at the Wizards squad. Where they have no Thomas Bryant last night, who was – dominant in the, in the paint for them he's out for the um, whole year with an acl bro 
He's out. He's gone. Whole year yeah. ACL. Yeah, that's affected them. Uh, Bertans hasn't been playing. Davia's been out. Like, dude, they've been hit hard. If they can get some of their team back and Russ is playing like that and he's healthy, I think they'll be all right. But like we all kind of thought that was going to be the thing. The Nets, we thought they they get James Harden, they're going to be instantly in the uh, favorites in the East. Nah, bro. Let's take a fucking step back for a second. Let's look at the fact that they're the worst defensive team in the league, and the Rockets have improved on a five-game win streak, same record as the Nets since the trade, have the best defense in the league. I think that matters, bro. And I think asking James Harden and Kyrie and these guys to defend come playoff time is going to come back to bite them. Yeah, they're gonna, they're not going to defend now. Why would they defend in the playoffs? It makes no sense. Rich, I would say, I mean, I don't know. I'll do the Spark Notes version since we covered it all earlier, and I want to repeat the exact same stuff. But I would just say that's the only reason for optimism on their defense is there's no way this is the the rotation they go into the playoffs with. They're either going to make a trade. But it's not going to be huge guys. That's the concern. It's not going to be huge guys. Whether it's a buyout for drama and whether it's signing some 3 and D wing, wing guys, Ariza, Roberson, whoever it is, they'll have guys on their roster in the playoffs who aren't there yet who are better defenders. They will. They 100% will. The problem is it's not like they're 20th defense and need to get into the top half. They're the worst team ever on defense, and there's not the best defender ever out there to come like just immediately flip that. So that's going to be their big problem. But the plus side is, in the stretch since they traded for Harden, they've been the worst defensive team ever, worst defensive rating, but the best offensive rating ever. So if maybe they could get a rule change to make it make it take it basketball, they might never lose a game. Hey, Rich, yeah, funny point, bro, but here's the thing. Like, the whole thing that you brought up on Drummond, like, if the Nets get Drummond, I think that instantly gets them a little bit higher, in my opinion, to make a run in the East. It depends on who you get. Like, there are reports of them shining him on Shumper, and you talked about it a little bit. I don't think that's the guy that's going to be like, oh, shit, they're way better on defense now. Drummond might be a little bit more of a factor. It depends on who you get, but they're going to need somebody for sure, like you said, and if they don't, forget about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for them in the playoffs. Like they, I believe they will play slightly better defense in the playoffs because superstars tend to tick up their defense when it's like do or die. And like, there's no time to save your energy. Like you got to win now, but they also don't have the personnel to play great defense. So yeah, it's, I feel like it's tough to argue right now. They'll get some guys, but like you said, it's, it's who do they get? Like, but to me, honestly, Andre Drummond would help, but he won't, he won't help their biggest issue. Like. DeAndre Jordan, it shouldn't be starting and playing 30 minutes. Andre Drummond's better, but, like, they need a elite perimeter defender, like an elite one, and I don't know who that is. Like I was saying a seg before Duke got here, like, as much as, like, if we had a big following on this podcast, I'd probably get roasted for even, say, for even saying this name. Like, Andre Roberson, they should pick him up. The dude might not be able to hit the fucking rim on the basketball hoop when he shoots a three, but he can lock someone up on D, and you got three guys who can take all the shots you need to. Yeah, Rich taking shots at my podcast, not being big, but don't worry, we'll get there soon. Uh, hey, hey, Dukes, I did want to look at the East for a second, though. So, like, the Nets, right, everyone's talking about them, but there's other teams in the East. I think the Bucks slide for sure for me, a team that everyone has up there. They make a trade. I had them sliding regardless. But then we're looking at the Sixers and obviously the Celtics. Kemba misses a cardiac Kemba shot the other night, 1-11. Your brother told me, I don't think Kemba's ever going to be the same again. We might be seeing that right in front of our eyes. Very tough for a Celtics team that obviously depends on him and Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum balling out. You think the Celtics, we brought interest in Thompson, or they brought interest to Thompson. You know, are they going to be able to take down the Sixers, a team that's looking really good in the East right now? 
I mean, we did it last year, right? But at the same time, like, I really don't think so. You got Embiid playing off the chain right now. You got Ben Simmons almost averaging a triple-double. You got young guys over there that are playing their role. And, like, we, we're we a good team. It's also a great team, man. I'm not going to put the past in, but we need a big man in order to win games. You yeah. can't rely on Daniel Tice to go 20-10 and 10 every game when he averages maybe 8-7. and seven, You know what I mean? Like, yeah. we, can't, we can't rely on Tristan Thompson to come off the bench and give us 10-10 and 10 every game, which he's been actually doing, which is kind of nice, but... I don't really understand why we ever got rid of Ennis Cantor in the first place. I thought he was a great addition to the Celtics squad. And if I if I were that GM right now, I would I would trade away Daniel Tice and probably I mean it's probably hurt to say this, but I think Marcus Smart should go too just because he's trade value. If we can get those two guys out of there and get I don't know. I don't know who I mean the talks the talks before the season were for them to trade for Miles Turner. I thought that was a bad trade because he's been overrated some past years. He's looked incredible. Yeah, baby. I don't know if that's still on the table. Miles Turner is unreal. Yeah. No, I agree with you, Rich, or Duke. Uh, the Celtics definitely need to make a trade if they're going to make a run. I think what the Sixers have been doing is incredible, way above my expectations. They're definitely a contender in the East, and it's obviously going to come down to those three teams, I think, for me, Sixers, Nets, and, and uh, Celtics. So, um, you know, can they make a move? Are the Sixers for real? Like, are we able to see them like this in the playoffs? Are the Bucks going to be able to slide back up into that conversation? And are the Nets going to be able to win? But I think when you look at it, obviously the Celtics are up in that conversation. Let's see if they make any moves. But I think they're going to need to make one, bro, because they're a shot away from beating the Lakers last night. And they should have won that game. Kemba should have hit that shot. And if they hit that shot, I'm sure C's fans, I'm sure a lot of Boston is like, man, we're a piece away from being able to win a championship right now. And we have like three or four losses by one or two points too. So, But then again, we have two or three wins with on buzzer beaters. I mean, it's just tough to watch, honestly. You have two guys like Jalen and Jason Tatum just going off every single game. Give me their all. And it's just like you know, winning by one. favorite duo in the league for sure. I'll, I'll, not a Celtics fan, but love those two. Wish wish my team had those two players. <laughs> we ever get rid of either one? Be so mad. <laughs> I love Jalen Brown. I mean, I'm both of them, but he's he really is. But I mean, back to the whole question of Kemba. I mean, obviously being a huge UConn fan, I want him to do well. But the whole knee injury is kind of sketchy. Like they didn't really play the whole like him coming back really well. They kind of was like, oh yeah, Kemba's back. Here he is. And it's like, what do you mean? Like you're just gonna throw him out there now? Like yeah, we don't really need. Yeah, bro, they didn't put him out of what? I mean, they didn't really – I mean, they did give him a minutes restriction in the beginning, but I think he should get even more. We have so many role guys like Marcus Smart that has stepped up, Peyton Pritchard, but it kind of sucks that he's out now. Yeah, but. he's been out. I think Kemba will get a little less minutes with him back. Not that Pritchard's better at all, even, but he's even just Teague, – Teague's been playing pretty well when he comes in. You know, like we have a depth, a big depth role guy, like players on our squad. Is, I think we just need that one more piece for the starting lineup in order to get us to that number one spot. Yeah. Right? You guys have that – uh trade exception you got in the Gordon Hayward deal. So true. a lot of time trade exceptions don't get used, but I think they have I think they have to use it before the trade deadline this year. So they got, I don't know what, like a month and a half to go to use that. So maybe they pick up someone. I want to say it was like twenty three million. I don't know, it was a decent sized trade exception. So they could get someone pretty decent. I think that actually might be enough for a Miles Turner maybe. So we'll see. Uh just real just real quick and or go ahead, Duke. No, I'm good. Uh, just real quick, and then we'll chop it up, have some fun, and get out of here. Thanks for coming on today, boys. This has been mad fun. Um, just looking at the West, Duke. Uh, you know, Lakers obviously are there. The Jazz, which I give Rich a ton of credit, bro. He was high on the Jazz, and they are performing really well. They lose a game yesterday to Jokic, which, by the way, he ain't no joke either. The West is obviously slammed and tough. 
Clippers, I mean, they look unbelievable. They're looking like the team we thought they were going to be last year, this year. And then you got the Suns with Chris Paul, and you got Ja in there, and you got all these teams fighting to get back into that play-in with the Blazers down there. The West is tough. Um, it's it's interesting for me because, obviously, I'm a LeBron guy. Obviously, I like seeing LeBron win, and obviously, I think the Lakers uh, have a great team. But here's a take that I think you might disagree with, maybe Rich disagree with. I know Chewy disagrees with, but... I think the Lakers aren't going to win the championship this year. And the reason is Montrez Harrell. Bro, I watched Montrez Harrell the other night, and I said this to Chu, and then I specifically watched this, and I ask you guys to do this next time. Montrez Harrell, watch him play, bro. He jogs, and he runs to the short corner on offense, and he jogs to the short corner on defense and does nothing but stand there on offense, and he sucks on defense. Montrez Harrell will be the reason they lose in the playoffs, I think there's a lot of competition in the West. I know LeBron is doing incredible stuff in the 18th year of his career, and I'd never want to see LeBron not win. But I do think that the West is loaded right now, and Anthony Davis not looking great. These pieces that they brought in that were supposed to make the Lakers better, to me, haven't made the Lakers better. I think the Lakers were better last season, and they won a championship. I think Trez Harrell hurts. I think Dennis Schroeder hasn't looked as good as everyone would have thought he would have looked. And I think Anthony Davis has not looked like the type of player Anthony Davis has been looking like. It's been a lot on LeBron's shoulders. And to him to have to do that again, 18 years, in the league, in the West, when it's going to be loaded, I think it might be tough. You got to take on it or you got LeBron just like Chu. No other teams but LeBron. I mean, when you think about it, once you get to that time of the year when it's crunch time, you got to start winning these big games. Like You're going to see Montrez stepping up. You're going to see Dennis Schroeder stepping up. Like, I've always been a big Montrez fan, even though he came from Louisville and I was obviously a UConn fan, so watching him play against the UConn was kind of tough in college and stuff like that. But when he went over to the Lakers, I always thought it was a – I have my fantasy team too, so I can't really say too much about him. I mean, his numbers really, like you said, haven't been the greatest. He really doesn't do, do too much on the court. But when he's out there, I mean, the Lakers are still winning games, man. You know, they're not losing. And they're yep, still playing road, good teams. Yep. And I don't know. I, I think I, – I, I'm not going to say he's a great player, but I think he's a good ad for them. Especially, I mean, comes up the bench. Right? So here's my yeah. question then: If you got the Lakers, and I'm going to ask this question to two, to you, Rich. I think Rich would probably be with the Lakers as well. Who's the biggest threat? Who's the biggest threat in the West? If who can knock off the Lakers? Looking at what the West is, we've been four weeks through. What do you got? Is it the Clippers? I mean, we said it last year, and they didn't live up to the expectations. But I think there's a lot of other loaded teams in the West. Is it the Clippers for you guys, or you got something else? It's Clippers. I mean, Jazz looked good, but it's it's the Clippers for me. PG going to be 50, 40, 90. Kwai, I mean, Kwai, we know who Kwai is. Hopefully he's healthy in the postseason. I think getting Serge Ibaka is a big boost for them. Reggie Jackson can actually play basketball again. Like, I think it's the Clippers pretty clearly. Yeah, I think Clippers, I mean, they look really good, too. And I forget what show was this morning. He was skipping Shannon again. They were talking about the whole, like, uh, Ty Lue edition and getting rid of Doc Rivers. And people are actually playing for Ty Lue now. Even look at Paul George, man. Like, he's been literally – like, no other, you know what I mean? Like, last year wasn't even a question, you know? Like, he's coming out there, literally putting out 40, 50 fantasy points a game. Like, you got him and Kawhi doing that. It is, it's kind of hard to see them not winning, honestly. Like, obviously, being a big LeBron guy, it's like, I want him to win, like you said, say, but at the yeah. same time, even a team like this, the Clippers, like, maybe they, like you said, though, maybe Montrez was the Clippers' reason for not winning last year, you know what I mean? Maybe he was the reason why. Yeah, but I'm not going to put that on him yet. I'll say this. I mean, there's a reason it went from him – 
being expected to get 20 mil a year and be with the Clippers long term from the Clippers, like basically just being like, nah, you're good. We'll take Serge Ibaka for a year or two. So like clearly they didn't feel comfortable. He didn't look great in the postseason. So I agree with your take like 10% or like a little bit seg that like he's not maybe the plus that some people thought he was for him. But the reason I disagree is like, I don't think he's holding him back by any means. Cause like right now he's playing 24 minutes a game. They have Anthony Davis and Marcus Gasol. Like, if Montrezl Harrell is legit a minus for them in the playoffs, they're going to be like, Marcus Gasol, you're going in for 24 minutes, being a body out there who at least doesn't have to stand next to the hoop. Like, you don't want Marcus Gasol just taking mad threes. But a lot of times, Marcus Gasol at least stands at the three-point line and stretches out the floor more because they have to respect him. And you'll basically be like, Anthony Davis, stop being a baby. You have to play some five. Sorry about it. But, like, uh, and the reason Dennis Schroeder's been – struggling and this might be tough, tough the tougher thing to get around for them it's like it's kind of the lebron effect as much as lebron makes some people better if you're a guy who needs the ball in your hands to do well lebron's not going to make you better because the ball is better served in lebron's hands than your hands so it's like it's going to be kind of a learning curve for him like he's he has been struggling a little bit i'm optimistic that it'll be good by the playoffs they'll kind of figure out how to play together but i mean it's i think there's a reason Kyrie didn't want to play lebron with lebron anymore not because lebron wasn't making them win but it's like damn dude i I don't know. You're, I know you're the goat, but like, give me, give me the ball a little bit more. It's funny you actually say that, Rich, because I think it was a Celtics Lakers game the other night. There was a play when LeBron was saying some of the AD, and he kind of like just shook his head. I was like, oh god, this isn't good to see, bro. I don't want to yeah. see that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think they'll be okay, but I don't think Montrezl Harrell is going to be the issue. And if he is being the issue, I think he'll be down to like five minutes a game, and they'll have the pieces to put in place for him, so it won't matter too much. Uh. Duke, who you got for MVP in the NBA right now if you had to vote? Right now, the second? Yeah. Joel Embiid. Yeah. I think it's either Joel or uh, Joker for it's, sure. I'm going to say Jokic too, but, I mean, he, he probably doesn't deserve it, honestly. He's a big man averaging a triple in Spain. Yeah. I said Jokic. Go ahead, sorry. I, I think I – think, uh, I don't want. I don't know if it's the hot take or not, but I think Embiid's impact on the Sixers is a little bit more than the Nuggets. You know what I mean? Like the Nuggets do have a good team, but if Embiid is playing well, they're not winning. If yeah. Jokic isn't playing well, they have an opportunity to still win. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think at the end of the day, the I mean, it, I think it's close between them, but the tiebreaker to me would probably be Sixers are first, Nuggets are a few games back, and. I've seen some people on national TV argue like, well, Joel Embiid's missed, missed like four or five games. Like, yeah, they've lost every game he missed, and they're first in, in the East. Like, that's a pretty clear representation of his impacts. Like, I said Jokic about a week ago on here, but I I would probably lean Embiid right now, but it's it's close. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll get out of here. But, Dukes, before you go, um, Rich, thanks for coming by, bro. Much love. Hopefully thanks. I'll get to see you again. Um. And same for you, Dukes. Thanks for coming on. First virtual chat. That was mad fun. Before you go, though, um, just give me a little bit of update on any of the moves you like in the MLB and a comment on the no electees, inductees, I'm sorry, to the Baseball Hall of Fame. That's been just raising a lot of, uh, obviously, reaction to the MLB. Yeah, I mean, Start off with that too. I kind of like what Kurt Schilling said. Like, if you're not gonna put me in the Hall of Fame, stop like putting me on the bids. Like, it's getting, it's kind of getting annoying. But at the same time, like, no, and I get the whole that like, no one made it this year, but I don't understand why. They yeah, really I don't like. Was there a reason before? It was just got a little COVID. I I I I told Chewy, I'm like, bro, you get through a COVID season, nobody thought was gonna happen, and you don't put anybody in the Hall of Fame, dudes that should be in the Hall of Fame, and you're saying they're not in the Hall of Fame because of 
characteristics and morals and fucking bullshit. Like, dude, you're acting like he committed a crime. He didn't do shit. And if he's not going to be in the Hall of Fame when he should, and he's still getting diked on the ballot from the guys that are writing on it, then take him off the ballot. Like, he doesn't want to be on a ballot. And if he's not going to get voted in, then when he should be, and we all know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm not even a real baseball guy. Kurt Schilling should be in the fucking Hall of Fame. And it's not good for fringe fans of the MLB when you got this stuff coming up and I've said this to, to Chu. It's just a bad look for the MLB. And I think Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, all of them, any of them should be in the Hall of Fame. Because I see reports that thousands of players during the era where guys have been elected to the Hall of Fame were using roids. So you're trying to tell me that there's not a single dude in the Baseball Hall of Fame that's ever used? I don't believe that for a fucking second. Not one second. So, why aren't these guys in there? That's my own thing. I, and I think Kurt Schilling has the complete right to come out and cause a fuss. Obviously, people are going to, you know, say some shit about it because that's what everybody does. But I don't give a fuck. This is, this is what you're allowed to do in today's age. Come out on social media, say how you feel, and if people disagree with it, fine. But I'm telling you, a lot of people are going to agree with it, and I certainly do. I'm not even a Kurt Schilling fan, but I agree with his take 100%. I think people knocking on him and shitting on the MLB for, oh, we're not letting dudes in because he might have used? That's bullshit, bro. That is absolute bullshit. If you're a fan of baseball and that's your fucking take, get out of there. You shouldn't even be a fan of baseball. I totally agree with that, honestly. Sorry, I got hot on the way out. All right, boys. I'll let you guys go. I'll let you guys go. Finish up the rest of your day. We'll catch up soon. Much love to you, boys. That was fun. Good to see you, boys. Peace. Much love, Dukes. Love it, bro. That was fire. Didn't get any Sports Center reads in today, but that's all right. I'll do those hopefully on Wednesday when Chu comes through. Sure, it'll be fiery with that MLB take on the way out. You know, it's been, uh, everybody that knows me and follows my pod, they know I'm not doing well, right? Like, geez, I got all these episodes, all this content, this pod, the passion for sports. But when you talk about the dude doing the sports talk, it's hasn't been great. Um, you know, I've had plenty of support though from some of my friends coming out of the podcast. We just did one. It was fire. I've had some more people reaching out, more people following, more people liking, just any love and support. And it means everything. Um, you know, I got my Brie Rally Foundation sweatshirt on today for Shayna, who's supported me and I support everything she's doing. And I think when you see opportunities to support somebody who you don't really maybe know, is not doing well, um, you would be surprised how much that can impact somebody in their everyday life. Um, you know, a podcast for me, like I said, uh, with Colin Coher dropping a podcast and, you know, I'm not going to get the type of attention, the type of follows, the type of views, the type of listens, the type of likes is obviously a guy like that, but that's only the dream. And as a guy that I met on virtually on PS4 said, you got to start somewhere. And, you know, to see where the podcast has really come now full circle, basically a full year that I've been doing this, um, it is very, uh, I don't know the exact word for it, self-promoting, po- I don't know, very positive. Um, it's been so good for me just to talk some sports, not only if I'm doing it by myself and getting some of my sports takes out there for others to hear 
or doing it with my friends and allowing them to kind of bring in their sports takes as well. Um, you know, much love to everyone that's come on the pod, everyone that's supported this pod, everyone that potentially will do so going forward because you know, for me, I, I've thought about it, man. Like, damn, why am I even doing this? I've said it multiple times on here. Like, oh, what? Like, what am I even doing this for? Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, not all the likes, the views, the v- whatever. It's like, bro, I'm doing, just doing this for myself. And uh, the sooner you get to more things like that in your life, I think the better you're off you are. Because obviously things are so crazy right now. I mean, it's a tough time to be in stocks. It's a tough time to be an essential worker. It is even tougher to try and start a podcast during the midst of a pandemic but if for my credit i started it before the pandemic it's gotten to a couple of spots that i could have never thought it would get to and it's only been because of the support and consistency from friends uh people that care about me and i think that at the end of the day keeps me going keeps me on the right track keeps me from falling over the edge that's all i had for the airwaves today appreciate all listening as always and as always i still have no shame what i had to say just a man with a nickname till next time everybody peace and love stay safe out there hopefully back on wednesday with my guy chew much love to rich hot takes and duke with the meanest takes the mead with the meanest takes for coming through today a lot of fire here on the seggy station catch you next time